Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. One down, 81 to go. The Jazz win their season opener last night. They beat Oklahoma City. That's a massive, massive rebuilding project city with the Thunder. They got a couple nice players, and they got a lot of question marks and a lot of work to do. We'll get to the best of the Jazz postgame show coming up. Also, we'll get to the Cougars after back-to-back losses. They need a win. They need to beat Washington State. We're going to hear from Aaron Roderick coming up in just a few minutes. But we're going to start with the Utes who also had back-to-back losses this year, needed a win when they played Washington State, got it. It was ugly, but they got it. Subsequently, they looked better. Looked better against USC. Got a nice win there. Beat Arizona State with a great second half. So now they're 3-0. and Can they get to 4-0? and Can they beat one of the co-leaders in the North, Oregon State? Kyle Whittingham, meeting with the media after practice on Tuesday Final chance we get to talk to him as the youth gear up for that game at Oregon State. Here's Kyle Whittingham. First off, what is your reaction to, to Nick Rolovich out, out of uh, Washington State? I think Nick Rolovich is one heck of a football coach. I don't know any of the details or really what's transpired. Uh, I just know he's a great coach, and and uh, I hope uh, things work out for him in the end. How, how hard is it for, you know, especially when, when four other staff members along with him or out in the middle of the season when, when you have to get, get ready for a game. How hard is that? Never experienced it, so I couldn't tell you. But it's, at first blush, it seems like it would be very difficult. Uh, is there anything you can bring from, from that last game that you played with Oregon State, or is that so far removed and different personalities? So far removed that uh, it's not really a factor. Of course, we watch it. Schemes haven't changed a ton on either side, but uh, a lot of a lot of different players, new faces. What do you think it is about Jonathan Smith that's gotten that program doing so well? He's a good coach. He's got a great grasp of uh, of uh, particularly offensive football, football in general, but particularly on offense. They've recruited the right way. They've brought in uh, the roster has been upgraded. And uh, they're believing. They play hard. And their offense is physical. They, they're the most physical run game that we'll have faced to this point. I mean, they, they're doing a great job running the football. Now at this point, I mean, what's the message to the team knowing that obviously everything's still for your taking? But... Yeah, we're, we're in good position, but it doesn't, you know, it's, you can't worry about that because, you know, you got, you know, two-thirds of the Pac-12 season left. So it's way too early to start. Uh, well, you never want to speculate and get ahead of yourself, but but all we got to do is focus on these guys and try to go to Corvallis and get a win. That's our whole objective. What do you like out of your guys in practice this week? Like same thing. Couple days in. Same thing I've liked the last three weeks. A lot of energy, a lot of juice. Uh, there's a very positive vibe on this team right now. What has led to that, to that positive juice vibe? Ah, uh, you know what? That's a good question. It just kind of has uh, evolved, and and we've started to get some momentum. Of course, winning adds to that and when you win you gain more confidence and and uh it just has kind of a snowball effect do, so. do you feel like maybe the, the players have like a whole new you know energy after you guys coming off of the ascending mm-hmm. state and, and, and going into, con- in, into conference well we were, we were never a team that was uh practicing bad or having uh you know no juice we've always you know, there's always been a good a good amount of energy on the team but it's just been enhanced and and uh just the overall feel has been uh, that of a lot of confidence and positivity. Coach, what do you think is the most underrated aspect of your team this year? Underrated aspect of our team? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to think about that for a while. I can't give you an answer just right off the top of my head. There is Kyle Whittingham. When we come back, BYU's offensive coordinator, Aaron Roderick. Got to get the run game untracked. We will hear from Aaron coming up. 
Ready, ready, ready. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's another Pac-12 road trip for Utah as Kyle Whittingham and the Utes head to the Pacific Northwest to battle Oregon State in Corvallis. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 4.30 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time now to hear from BYU Offensive Coordinator Aaron Roderick. A lot has been made of the fact that Baylor ran for 303 yards, and certainly that was a problem. But here's another problem. Tyler Algier only ran for 33 yards on 15 carries at Baylor. Not nearly good enough. They need a much better run game. Aaron Roderick on BYU trying to snap this two-game losing streak and beat Washington State. Here's the Cougars' offensive coordinator. What did you feel like you learned from last week? Um, well, I learned that Baylor's a really good team. <laughs> um, they, it's a good football team. That's by far the most efficient and uh, complete team that we've played this year. They were good. And we... Uh, we did a lot of good things. We were really explosive on offense in, in a lot of areas of the game. Uh, so sort of found out some things about about that, but um, also had a, some critical errors that, uh, that were tough to overcome. And particularly um, got, we got sacked in the first half. We got sacked. It was actually wasn't a sack. It was a, it was a quarterback draw with an RPO it looked like a sack on a pass play that made a field goal uh, difficult, more difficult. We lost some yards and missed the field goal. And uh, that was an unfortunate play because we were, we were actually playing for a fourth down on that. It was, it was, I think, third and seven. And we called the draw play with the RPO, thinking if we complete the RPO, we're going to get a first down. If we uh, run the draw, we, we might make a first down, but at least put ourselves in position to go for it on fourth. And we didn't uh, execute the play well enough and actually lost some yards. And so that was a really unfortunate play. It cost us points, probably. Uh, you, you never know for sure if we make the field goal, but it, it would have been an easier field goal or perhaps a first down with a chance to keep going. And then uh, the sack fumble was a really unfortunate play as well. Uh, you know, it just wasn't even a blitz. We just didn't execute on that as well and we're right there in scoring range with chance to either kick a field goal if we don't convert or new set of downs in the red zone and and uh, instead we turn the ball over and they they end up getting points so I those two plays have been haunting me all week and uh, so we learned something on those two plays and then we also learned that we can really throw the ball down the field when we when we need to and uh, I don't think anybody's throwing the ball on that defense like that in a couple years. As you're talking about that, I was curious about, you know, as you look at the run-pass balance, you use the run to set up the pass, sometimes you use the pass to set up the run. How do you kind of evaluate that? And, and you know, is it different for each game depending on what defenses are going to try and do against you? Yeah, uh, Saturday, you know, it was tough sledding early in the game. We knew it was going to be hard to run the ball. There was – it was – I mean, it's it's been tough to run against them. We And we, and we had a couple of O-linemen out, so we knew – Plus Mason Wake is, you know, he was back, but he's, he wasn't close to 100%. And he's practically, he's practically our sixth lineman. And uh, so we knew it was going to not, you know, we knew it was going to be difficult to run. Um, it turned out to be, 
turned turned out to be a little more difficult than we had hoped. And then, uh, but then the way the game was going, you know, we we were playing from behind and we'd score and then they would answer. And so it was kind of like, you know, uh, not a great situation to, to spend a lot of snaps solving our run game problems. You know, like we had some games earlier this year where a good portion of the third and fourth quarter was running the football and us finding some answers. And, you know, the Utah State game comes to mind, the Utah game, the Arizona State game. Those were games where we ran the heck out of the ball in the fourth quarter. And a good portion of the third quarter was figuring out some things that, that, uh, you know, it it takes a few snaps or maybe a couple of series of, hey, they're doing this. Okay, what's our adjustment to that? This game, there wasn't enough snaps to do that. And we were playing from behind, so we had to throw. So – I think we could have figured out the run game uh, it, had we had a little bit different circumstances. I think we would have been able to get it going, but uh, the game didn't really, it didn't call for that. We had to throw and, and I thought we threw it well. And we just, like I said, I'm those two, those two critical plays I mentioned really to me that offensively the game hinged on those two plays. Uh, we, we make those two plays. It's a very, very different game. Jake and then Norma. Yeah, Aaron, this week a little bit of a unique, I guess, circumstance, I guess we'll call it, with the coaching staff up there at Washington State, seeing about half of their coaches dismissed. What is kind of the overall sentiment from you guys looking ahead to this one? Well, the thing we've been talking to our team about is that um, we played two of our best games last year with close to half our coaching staff not even on the trip. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if... I'm like breaking news right now or, or uh, if people were aware of that, but the Boise state game last year, we were missing a good number of coaches and the central Florida game. We were missing pretty much our whole offensive staff almost was not there. So um, we, uh, we've, we've, we've coach lamb in particular reminded our whole team of that, that, you know, we played great without coaches last year. These, it's a player's game. It's a player's game. And these guys are going to be highly motivated and ready to play. Uh, they've got a veteran QB who uh, he's a, you can tell that guy's a great leader. Um, our coaching staff, we all know that kid from recruiting. He's a, he's an awesome leader. They're going to be ready to play. And I don't think the coaching situation really has an impact on the game at all. You, you kind of mentioned your offensive line where you had the two freshmen on the right side. Is there hope that you get some of those guys back this week? Some of the like, guys like Lachance and Tukuafu, or is it too early to tell? Joe's back. Uh, he's he's back for sure. Harris, there's still a chance. He's doing a little more each day. Not sure if he's going to be ready to play in the game or not, but he, he's out there. He's practicing, which last week he wasn't even practicing. So uh, there's a chance there, but um, Joe's back. And, um, you know, and I didn't mean I didn't mean to make it sound like it was those guys fault. But, it, it you know, when you get two young players in uh, an environment like that, it was loud. That was a very good defense. And um it just presented some challenges for us. We had to, you know, we had to um, work through some things for sure. Norma, go ahead. Hey coach. So you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I hope hopefully you can expand. So at the start of the season, you guys kind of lagged those explosive plays and kind of slow to start offensively. You guys seem to have fixed those issues, but now the struggles to sustain drives and to establish the run So I guess how do you go from fixing one problem and then like having to fix another and just like just the way the season rolls out and how these issues always come about through different ways? Yeah. um, Well, we've only had one game where we weren't weren't able to run the ball and that was Saturday. 
uh, we, we've run the ball well in every other game. Hasn't hasn't uh, it's, it's been always been a strength of ours, and it will be again. Um, so I'm not not uh, expecting to have those types of issues running the ball again. And uh, the explosive plays have picked up a lot, and uh, we you know we just need I think. We scored 24 points Saturday with only 55 snaps, you know, in a normal game for us, we've been averaging about 75 snaps a game the last couple of years. So if we get, we get back up there around 75 snaps, we're going to be somewhere, you know, 35 to 40 points. And, and, uh, that's the goal. So we, uh, we're, we're working on that, but yeah, we're, we, we are improving every week in the passing game. Jaron Hall is playing really, really well. Uh, was really happy with him throwing the ball down the field, made great decisions, was very accurate, and uh, he's, he's super aggressive at finding his guys down the field, and we've obviously got some guys that can go get it. Sean and then Mitch. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, coach, this is probably a really similar question. So you can maybe just say ditto to that last response. Uh, But how much pride does this team take in being able to play physical football and kind of be the, the more physical team as, as it were. And are there things that you can do kind of midweek in between games and practice and stuff to sort of rekindle a physical brand of football? If you feel like you've fallen off at all. Um. Yeah, I mean, just in, just in how you practice and, and, you know, your approach that you take every day. I mean, we are a physical team. We've already proven that uh, in our five wins this year, you know, and in the last two games that we lost, I didn't feel like we didn't play physical on offense. Uh, you know, the the Baylor game in particular, that was a really tough defense. And like I said, the the circumstances of the game, the way the game was going required for us to throw it more. And so – you know, we didn't have, like I said earlier, we didn't have that grace period of, hey, let's, let's this next series, let's establish the run and let's let's figure out some things in the run game. I mean, the clock was bleeding away from us pretty quickly, and we were down by, you know, sometimes one score, sometimes two scores. At a couple points, it was three scores. Like we we couldn't just sit there and like work through our run game issues. <laughs> we had to throw, and so. I, I still like you play that game over again. I think we, we could go back and run that game. We could play that game over again and run the ball. Well, it just, you know, every game is different. And uh, so I expect us to play with a, a lot of physicality and I expect Tyler, Tyler Algier to run hard on Saturday and Peeney as well. And, and we'll be, I expect us to be right back to our old selves. It was, you know, it was a one game hiccup. Coach as uh, you know, with Jaron Hall, it's, it's pretty remarkable to think that he's in his fourth year yet. He's still only got seven starts pretty young in terms of being a starting quarterback. With, as the weeks go by and with him getting more snaps under his belt, what do you feel is, is emerging as maybe some of the, the best traits of Jaron uh, now that you're getting more, more film on him in actual games? Um, just how, how, how smart he is as a player. He takes great care of the football. He makes great decisions. You know, he's, he's obviously very talented. He's got physical tools that are most players don't have. Um, but it's his, you know, his uh, decision-making, the way he takes care of the football. Um, he's, he's really an accurate thrower, very efficient throwing motion. I mean, there's this, there, I could go on and on. He, and, you know, uh, I don't know if this is how many, how much this has been researched, but he's, 
he's playing at a really high level for a guy who, you know, has played five complete games. Um, you said seven starts, whatever it is, but he's up there right now with some of the best that have played here in that, in that amount of time. And, um, and we're seeing growth every game. Like he's getting better every game and uh, he's nowhere near his ceiling. I, I expect him to keep getting better every week. Um, and, you know, that, that, and I don't mean that that doesn't necessarily mean passing yards or anything like that. I just think you're going to keep seeing him grow as a player and do more good things, uh, you know, more efficiency, more big plays. Just you're going to see him lead our team better each game the, the more he gets to play. And, um, you know, he hasn't arrived or anything like that, but he's playing at a really high level and, and uh, we're lucky we have him. What, what are some of those those metrics that you guys have tracked that that put him among some of the the best to in, in, in BYU through five starts? Well, just his efficiency. I mean, Saturday we're you know seventy one percent completions at, at uh, eleven yards per attempt. I mean, eleven yards per attempt is a lot, and so you're throwing a lot of completions and getting a lot out of those completions, a lot of yardage, and and moving the team. There's a lot of big plays, and you know you make the more big plays you make, the easier it is to score. And and uh, he's making big plays and uh, really driving the ball down the field well for us. And and then his ability to run is just game changer. You know, I uh, had a, a defensive coordinator from a team that we played this year call me uh, last week, and we not going to say who it is, but we had a conversation about it. He just said, man, it's so scary just knowing that at any moment he can pull the ball and go. And, uh, you know, we it was uh, he just said it put him put him uh, on edge the whole game trying to call call the game against us and so um, that's that's another part of it I think that that you add that into his ability to throw the ball down the field and uh, you know we've got a good thing going we just got to got to keep keep building on it and go get a win this week I wanted to ask you one more question um, BYU's actually never been uh, to Pullman, oddly enough, it's the only Pac-12 program that BYU's never played at. You've had a few experiences. What's the, what's the Palouse like uh, from your memories? It's a tough place to play. Every time I've ever been there, the weather was bad. It's rained every time except once. It was snowed uh, the whole game. Uh, John White had a great game running the ball, and it was snowing, and we just uh, – but it's – they got great fans. Their fans are, host, uh, you know, hostile in a good way, like the way you would want your home fans to be. They get after the opposing team. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a, not a huge stadium, but it's loud. I remember crowd noise is definitely a factor there and watching the Stanford game. I watched the TV copy of the Stanford game and you could tell they were going on a silent cadence and, uh, they had some issues with crowd noise. So it's a, it's, it's a hostile environment. I told our players expect it to be a lot like what the Utah state crowd was like, except, uh, you know, just ramp it up a little bit. You know, this is a big game. They've, they've won three in a row, and, and they're feeling good, and it's going to be it's going to be a really fun college football environment. There's BYU offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, the best of the Jazz post-game show as they win game number one. Stay with us. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. BYU hits the road to Pac-12 country as Kalani Sataki and the Cougars square off against Washington State in Pullman. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz open the season with a win. Well, of course they do. It was Oklahoma City at home. It was a massive mismatch. And the Jazz, a little sloppy, a little ragged at times, which I think when you consider the fact they only played four preseason games and the starters only played two of them, not surprising. It was also more than enough. Whatever their problems, whatever their flaws, whatever the mistakes, and you hear from Quinn Snyder, they passed up open shots and there's some other stuff. They're way better than the Thunder. So the Jazz get win one. Got to keep improving, as Quinn is about to tell you. Here's the best of the Jazz postgame show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. Jazz win last night over the Thunder. 107-86, opening up the season 1-0. Got a great performance from uh, Rudy Gobert, 16 points, 21 boards, had a block shot. We'll hear from him a little bit later. Bogdanovich had 22 points. Donovan Mitchell, 16 points, struggled shooting the ball a little bit, 6 of 17. Uh, Jordan Clarkson had 18 coming in off the bench, but the Jazz get the victory. They hold the Oklahoma City Thunder to just 86 points. Let's get you some post-game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. When uh, Derek was pretty certain that he was going to be nervous coming out to the first Well, so first, like we're really excited about Jared and for a lot of reasons. You guys have asked me more questions about Jared in the preseason than Rudy and Donovan combined. So for a 20 year old kid to come out in an NBA game at that level, like he's going to make some mistakes and there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a learning curve and he's going to make some really good plays and he's going to keep growing and there's no pressure on him to do anything other than play hard and get better. And that's the only lens through which I'm, he's going to watch tape tomorrow. He's going to see things that he can do. He'll keep doing them and he'll keep improving. So um, I know the best thing for Jared was to play in his first NBA game, you know, and, and he's playing with some really good guards and he'll have an opportunity to make plays and play defense and do lots of good stuff. So I'm excited about where he's going um, and we're evaluating our team. You know, over a long period of time and individually, we're just trying to get better and we're trying to get better collectively. Better. I thought, you know, I think Giddy um, and Alexander um, both do a really good job of keeping their dribble alive in the paint. And in the first half, uh, in particular, the fact that they, they were kicking the ball out meant we were doing a better job containing it. Um, it's hard to keep guys that are that big from getting deep. Um, and, but I thought it put us in closeout situations where it made it harder for us to get, to keep the next wave out of the paint. Um, and as the game, uh, progressed, um, you know, I thought, I thought we improved on that. And I think, you know, Donovan in particular, you know, I thought there was a real, you know, a real focus on his part to move his feet and use his strength and, you know, stay between his man and the basket. Because everyone was trying to figure themselves out. Kind of the first year they were together, and then injuries last year. It never felt like Boyan and Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell kind of all were scoring at a high level together. And then Boyan started today really well. What does that mean? Um, I, I think there were times we we found that. You know, I, I think that, you know even I'll bring it back to Donovan. You know, he's one of eight in in the first half, 
but he just let the game come to him. You know, he found some stuff off the ball. You know, Dort's a heck of a defender. And there were other guys that, that, that got looks. Um, and then all of a sudden, people start playing those guys and, um, you know, other, other opportunities present themselves. So those guys um, being able to play off one another and understand that those things come in, come in waves. And that's just – we're going to read the defense and, and how they play us. And, you know, the right guys, the open guys take the shots. I thought, if anything, we were passing up shots early. Um, and that, that, I think that was a function of the first game, just kind of being a little bit hesitant to know that's, that's one we want to take. Tell your team, um, you know, just when, when the process is like that, you know, you're getting a foot in the paint, you're kicking, guys are passing up shots and basically doing the same thing over again. I mean, you've had to tell your team before, like, take, the, take the first open look. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's always a balance there. You know, I mean, you, you, you know, you, you come in and um, you can, you can overcoach those plays. I think that they're, they're always really nuanced when a guy's closing out on you. How open are you? Um, you know, if you missed a couple in a row, do you want to get a drive? But the overarching thing for us is when we shoot, um, we shoot it well and there's a good chance that we'll make it. And if we pass up open looks, you know, that usually means the defense is more collapsed, you know, and the probability of us getting the same shot, um, you know, goes down and the probability of us turning the ball over goes up. So that's, you know, there's a lot of reasons for us to take open, open shots. Spoken before about needing to find a balance between some of the things that Rudy wants to try, maybe offensively versus what's good for the rest of the team, but four shooters surrounding him. You feel like what he did tonight is kind of a good indication of what he's capable of within the framework of what that's kind of Yeah, I, you know, Rudy's managed to be an all NBA player. Um, an all-star defensive player of the year and he wants to keep getting better and I think you know every team is different and the opportunities that Rudy has offensively you know are usually connected to other guys on the team and um, you know the, the, the more accurate a pass is you know little things him not bringing the ball down um, there's all kinds of little things that make those same plays um, successful or not. And I know his teammates are conscious of it. Um, you know, no different than, like I said, Donovan going one for eight, but not forcing the game. You know, same thing with Rudy, same thing with JC, same thing with Boyan, same thing with Mike. You start going down the line. we got a lot of guys that, um, you know, we want to let the game come to them. And I think it's a credit to that, that group. Um, you know, those, I probably left someone out. But, the, you know, that they did that and they're, they're still willing. Joe, you know, so sometimes when you pass up a shot and make an extra pass, like the, the, the spirit of the play is, is what we want. And I don't want to ever kill that. Um, but I also want to encourage him to keep shooting. What do you make of the Hassan's minutes tonight? And I guess how has his fit developed in the last couple of weeks? I, I, I think Hassan's gotten more comfortable. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd say um, – you know, you could feel him in the game tonight when he came in. Um, you know, like Jared, those guys, it's just it, – there's a there's a learning curve that takes place. And, you know, I'm excited about all those guys and, and what they're doing and not really evaluating them 
um, on the stat sheet, um, but on, you know, the way that they're trying to play right now. And I thought, you know, in Hassan's case, did some really, really good things, particularly in pick and roll, just getting a little more connected with some of the guys, um, some of the ball handlers and getting out and getting them some shots. So uh, good night for Hassan. Class session, three point shooting started out a little slower, but then by the end of the game, the numbers look good. Yeah, we I think we we took I think seven early. Um, the challenge is if you're not making them to keep shooting, and um, it's just human nature that you're going to hesitate, and that's where I think a, the collective mindset really helps. Um, you know, with if Joe hasn't hit one, it passes one up. You know, Donovan's telling him, shoot it. Um, you know, and I, I think that's that's contagious where it's just something that, that we want to emphasize. And I, I thought some of the good – we were getting a lot of catch-and-shoot threes, um, which which is always good. Um, and that's where I thought Donovan was really good tonight, just making sure he was spaced off the ball because he is such a good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. There's Coach Quinn Snyder. His team wins 107-86 last night over the Oklahoma City Thunder. Let's now get to the players. Let's start things off with Boyan Bogdanovich. He's in with a good rhythm like that. I mean, it's it's great to get a get a first W to start a start a season on, on the right way. I think our defense was 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 pretty good. Pick and roll, pick and roll defense. Especially did a great job on on on, on primary ball handlers from uh, from from their team and, and like I said it's just just great to to, to get a first first win of the season. What you got to do again? SGA and, and particularly, I mean, you know, there were games last year where you kind of took took over games against you guys. It wasn't that much blowback. I mean, even even Dort had a forty two on us on us last game. They're kind of pretty pretty big point guards and, and, and ball handlers. So so we really did a great job containing the containing the ball. Like I said, pick and roll defense was good, but they are they are great. Great also on on one on one. So we are we were trying just to to make to to force them to take to take tough shots and then we did a pretty good job. You're talking training camp about trying to really establish a rhythm, just overcoming the shoulder and the hand and the wrist up. Do you feel like you're able to do that tonight? I mean, I start, I start kind of pretty, pretty bad. As a team, we sh- we shot like less than less than thirty percent from a from a three, and we had a, only eighteen uh, eighteen assists. But we were moving the ball ball pretty well, but we couldn't couldn't hit any any shot. But uh, but overall overall great great game both both defensively and, and offensively. You you had a different player step up for you guys to kind of fuel the offense in each quarter. Was that say about kind of the diversity of, of scoring that you have on this roster? I mean, our our benches we got like like five five guys that they can be starters in, in mostly of the of the team in NBA. So our our bench is it's our probably biggest strength and uh and like whenever they get in, we got a. We are in, 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 in big plus. Did you guys talk about it as a team, like what you wanted to establish tonight, what tone you want to set tonight, or how do you go about starting the season? I mean our our philosophy is to play to play great defense and then try to try to get a 
more more easy easy shots and, and and an easy layup. We had a we had a bunch of threes tonight, but we we couldn't hit any. But uh, like I said, our defense was was pretty pretty solid, and and that's the best part of of this game. <laughs> There's Bogdanovich, 22 points, 10 of 17, shooting 2 of 6 from 3 and played very aggressively on both sides of the ball, did Boyan. Let's now let's hear from Rudy Gobert. I mean, we want to, you know, you can't control if you're going to make shots or not, but we can control how you're going to play defense. And uh, I think if we control what we can control every night and focus on that, uh, we're going to win a lot of games, you know, and... uh, and even the games when you don't make shots, you know, we're going to be able to win. So it's, uh, you know, that's why it's who we are and it's who we want to be. What's been, have you guys like kind of focused on anything differently in terms of uh, what you want to do differently defensively or what you want to prove on defensively? And if so, how did, how did you fare with that tonight? I think every game is an opportunity for us to, to, keep finding our identity, you know, keep, I mean, obviously we, we want to be a defensive team, but keep uh, working on the things that we know uh, is going to make us a better team. And it's the one-on-one defense, you know, from one to five, uh, the containment, you know, and the communication as a team to help each other out. You know, it's not about just leaving the guy on the island, but the, all, all the all the four guys got to talk to him and, uh, you know, uh, make him know that he got a guard. And, and if, he, if he does get beat, because it's going to happen a lot. We're going to have each other's back. When it comes to that perimeter defense, do you feel like there was, I guess, a more, more of an urgency and more of an effort from those guys? I think uh, I can feel that. You know, I can feel that when he, when we get beat once, you know, uh, right away, it's not it's not a habit. You know, it's it's not something that, you know, when, when you use uh, not being good, like it happens one time, twice, three times, and we just keep playing. Now it happens once, and you can feel that, you know, uh, the guys that we hold each other accountable and whoever gets beat, uh, you know, is the next possession is, is, is twice as good, you know? So it's, uh, I think that's the mark of the great, the great teams. And, uh, if we can do that consistently, we'd be in a good shape. How much is this a focus for you guys in relation to which are ultimate goals for the season? I mean, we know that, uh, if you want to be a great team, uh, it starts there. And we know that, uh, even if we don't have a lot of weaknesses, uh, teams are always going to try to find and, uh, and take advantage of those weaknesses, and especially in the playoffs. You know, in regular season, it's, it's not the same, but in the playoffs, teams are going to try some things, and if it works, they're going to keep going and keep going. So if you don't have any weaknesses, uh, it makes it a little harder on the other team. What was working for you individually offensively? Uh... I just try to be aggressive, try to get my teammates open and, and try to uh finish, you know, put a lot of pressure on the on the on the on the rim. And uh, you know, uh they did a great job finding me early on and and in the second half, you know, we they collapsed even more, so we got a lot of open threes and uh you know, that's why we we are not easy to guard. It's because when we when we don't make the shots, you know, we, we, we keep attacking the rim. We keep, obviously, when we attack the rim, we find those open shots, but we also uh, have a lot, some bigs that can uh, punish inside and put a lot of pressure on the rim. And also, we can pass. So, you know, we're about to find the, the guys on the perimeter, and if they don't collapse, we know that it's going to be a foul or, or a basket. 
Where has your office game developed in the last couple of years? Where have you seen your Uh I mean, I'm feeling more and more comfortable. You know, I've been putting a lot of work, and uh, it's exciting to know that, uh, you know, it's not even – I haven't even scratched, you know, uh, what I can do offensively. So, you know, I don't want to uh, – I kind of want, I want to keep the fun, you know, I don't want to show everything right away. So, but, uh, no, seriously, I mean, uh, I'll just try to take it one step at a time and, you know, and, uh, keep doing it in, uh, in the system, you know, uh, uh, and, uh, keep doing it in a way that it's impacting us and, uh, impacting the team in a winning way, in a positive way. Hassan has mentioned to us a few times that it's, you know, a process for him kind of developing chemistry with the various guys on both ends. What did you see out of him tonight? I mean, he's, he's about to impact the game uh, as soon as he steps on the court. So it's uh, it's a luxury, and uh, you know when he keeps uh, when he doesn't get frustrated, you know sometimes it's not easy to come in and and uh, we ask you to do all these things, run hard to to protect the rim, to uh, set screens and stuff. But I I try to tell him that you know sometimes. He's not going to get a shot for eight minutes. Uh, we, we try to make sure it doesn't happen, but sometimes it might happen. And uh, we got to keep our heads. You know, we got to keep his head. And I've worked on that over the last few years, so I know how hard it is, but at the same time, how good it is for the team when uh, everyone is able to uh, put their ego their ego aside and, and do what's best for the team. And then it's on, obviously it's on it's on us to have each other's back and try to realize that if, okay, if Hassan didn't get, didn't get the ball for five minutes, we should, you know, call a play for him or get him the ball, you know. And that's what, you know, a mature teams are able to do. I mean, some guys, uh, there's some guys that look, that look good on, on, on that. Are you one of them? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, li- I like that photo. That's, that's good. There's Rudy, 16 points, 21 rebounds, and a block shot. Monster game from Rudy Gobert. Did all that in just 29 minutes. Let's now wrap up the player sound here and from Donovan Mitchell. I'm actually being dead serious. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I can't. Yeah, in college, I just couldn't. Really? I don't like touching my eye. Okay. So even if I was able to put him in, which it took me two and a half hours to put one in, <laughs> I was like, getting them out is going to be uh, probably just sleeping them and then get irritated. And there was a whole process. So I just. I, that's what everybody's saying. They said I should try the goggles out. So from now on, I'm just going <laughs> to. No, no, no. So from now, I'm just going to keep guessing on which hoop I'm shooting at. And exactly. Just, you know. <laughs> And we'll, we'll get we'll get there, but right, right now right now it seems to be all right. So we'll we'll, we'll keep going through. Wow. Um, <laughs> that's how we started. Yeah. Sorry. What was what was your uh, focus defensively on Dort? Considering the last time that you yeah yeah he gave y'all forty two yeah yeah me uh, forty two I'll take that one. So for me, I think the biggest thing was just making it tough. Obviously, Shea wasn't playing that game. You know, for me, just being able to just set an example defensively. I told you all that after the last preseason game. Uh, again, a bunch of good challenges early, you know, towards an attack mode, and you got Buddy Hill screen. So it's different type of people you're guarding. And then the game after that, you got to defend Jokic's action. So, you know, it's good challenge stuff to bet. And that's that's pretty much what I what I 
put my mind to, you know, just being able to kind of set a tone defensively and uh, shots of the shots though, whatever they'll, they'll fall. I'm not too worried about that, but, you know, being able to set that tone, I think for me was, was the biggest thing and just being able to guard, just keep them in front, nothing, no hero play. You don't need to get a steal and do all that, but just kind of keep the man in front. Cause that was the emphasis, you know, with us, you know, the way we lost last year. And obviously, you know, you could say we were hurt or whatever, but, you know, being able to keep guys in front, I think we all collectively did a good job of that tonight. Early in your career, these could have turned into like a two for 20 night. You had a couple of those as you're a rookie. Are you just better now? Or are you doing something different? What's happening? Well, first, I got to credit the, the guys around me. Um, you know, you don't feel like you kind of have to go out there. And like, like you know, my first year was kind of, my first two years especially, was kind of like, you know, we weren't supposed to be who we were. And then it just happened. And then I'm figuring stuff out on the fly. And then, you know, next year is the same thing. So a lot of it now is just getting comfortable, understanding. Like I said, you know, shot, what is it, 6 or 17. But I'm not mad at the looks I got, maybe one or two. You know, it's like you said, it's could easily been a 7 for 20, but there's no need. You know, I was making the right plays, making the right reads. And, you know, I'm not really pressed about it. You know, I think maybe my first years, you you, you get consumed with the, like, you know, you got to be, you got to be, got to be. You know, and now it's kind of like, no, I, we're good defense, lock up, make the right plays, make the right passes, and, you know, good, be good with that. And I am. You know, maybe a combination of, like you said, the players around you or just maturity and kind of growing. Because, you know, Ben complimented earlier about the fact that you were able to let the game come to you and force it. Is that the team that's around you, maturity, or kind of combination? I think, both, I think you know, for sure, I've got to give credit to my teammates for first and foremost, <clears throat> I think. But also, you know, it's just like I said, it's, it's, it's me growing, understanding that, you know, you don't have to just go get it in every every uh Every chance you, you can, you know, understand letting the game come to you. I started off slow. I wasn't mad at any of the, the looks I got. I wasn't, you know, it was just shots that just didn't fall, you know, and they'll fall. Cause I, I take those reps. I take those same shots I missed today are the ones I've practiced a thousand times between the summer and now. So just continue to take those shots. And that's the biggest thing. You know, if you stop shooting them, then it's like, you know, you don't trust the work that you put in. And never that. I think it's just understanding your game and doing other things, you know, offensive rebounding, you know, trying to find guys and assist, create pass ahead, push the pace, you know, little things that uh, ignite the team and, you know, guys around you will, will follow. Rudy had a monster double double tonight, 16 and 21. You know, talk about just, you know, what have you seen from him? Where's his growth been, especially offensively the last couple of years? Yeah, I think, you know, the 21, 21 rebounds is easy. And for me, I, I hold that I hold him to a higher standard, and we speak about that all the time. I think where I was really happy with him was, you know, the finishing, playing through the way he's going to get the rebounds, the way he's going to play through contact. That's what I that's what I really am happy to see. You know, with him, he had one layup where he, you know, got to back to his old self. But outside of that, he's he's finishing and he's absorbing the contact. You know, playing through that because they're a team that as soon as the big gets it, you know, they're trying to foul. And he's gonna have to play through that, and he did it. He did it in preseason. He's doing it in training camp, doing it now, and I think that's the level that we're, we're seeing out of him offensively. That's um, that's what I was most impressed with, you know, him sealing in the paint. I threw it to him, door gets a foul. Like, when we see that in the playoffs, it's going to be something similar. So, you know, for me, like, that's that's one thing that I think stands out, especially when you bring up the offensive end. You know, we all know what he does defensively. Um, that's easy, you know, for him. It comes second nature. But this one is like something he's worked at, and you can see it. How do you feel like he almost – kind of gets like a little underrated offensively just because God's reputation is like yeah I, I think yeah I think when also like when you're so good at something like they want to just focus solely on that you know I think that's one thing he's so good at like being a defensive force that people sometimes don't look at the other side because it's like, man, you know, you're so consumed with what he does defensively. But, you know, people don't understand, like, the threes we get are a product of him rolling. You know, we're teaching us on that as well. You know, we're being able to 
the the rim rolls, being able to throw it up there, catching the lobs. Like he's he's worked at it, you know, especially since my, in my five years, and you guys have seen him longer than I have. Um, but you know, tonight and throughout the preseason through training camp, the biggest thing we're seeing is catching and finishing, playing through contact. That's where I'm saying, like, okay, he's he's taking that step, you know, and I think we we saw that tonight and what do you go six and nine you know he's 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 doing it and he saw it tonight and he'll do it again and again but the biggest thing is being able to do that consistently you know and i'm like i said i hold him to a higher standard just like he holds himself to a higher standard so i told him good job but we need to see it again friday and the same thing he'll say to me and that's how we keep bettering ourselves as teammates Said that maybe you know you talked about the coach talked about or he kind of understand that's the stuff he needed to make and that's what he did. I think it was something that we we spoke about, but you know a lot of it with Rudy is he he goes out there and he he you know he knows you know what he needs to work on and get better. And I think you know he 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 puts a lot of pressure on himself for being able to do certain things. And for myself, it's just like look, bro, let's go ahead and do it and work at it. And you saw like so you saw what you uh, like I do the same thing on, on my offensive games. I put a lot of pressure on myself and. That's why we, you know, get paid the way we do because we have we're held to a higher standard. You know what I mean? And I think we both understand that. And I think that's what plays into why, you know, we've gotten better each year. And this and what you're seeing now with especially with him catching and finishing, I think is huge. On how is he progressing when it comes to rolling and kind of kicking it out and everything? He's doing well. I think you know it's it's a it's a challenge to go from. Portland, when you got a guy like Dame and CJ, you know, where you're supposed to set a screen and stay there because Dame's shooting from half court. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, then you come here where it's like the role is such a big part of our offense. And then also, not only is it a role, it's sometimes you're faking a pick and roll to go set a wide screen, a wide pin down. Sometimes you're doing all these different things. So as a big, for him to be able to pick it up the way he has quick and, and fast in a hurry, like, it's it's impressive. And he's, there's going to be, there's going to be times where he's going to figure stuff out, you know, but he's, he's getting better at it as the, as especially what we've, what we've seen in practice, you know, may not have seen him much tonight, but what we've seen in practice, he's doing a lot of really good things. What do you think about your ankle? Um, not not much, but I mean it's definitely a, a thing you think about mentally. It wasn't too long ago that that play out there would have probably been bad. You know what I mean? So it's definitely something that is still uh, on your on your mind. But it's not like it hurts. There's no pain. It's just like PTSD, I guess you could you could call it. Because I think that's when I talked to you know my my trainer uh, Dave. He said the last piece of it is the mental part. You know, and that's how it was when I broke my wrist in high school. You know, you, you're you're there. You have all full mobility. Everything's fine. You're 100 percent strength. But now it's like this part, this being able to do that. And I trust in that, you know, and I think that's that just comes with time. And I'd say I'm nervous. I'm not. I'm, I'm very confident in my ankle and my abilities to keep going out there. But it's a process. You know, it's, it's something that, you know, it's, it, 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 it takes time. And, you know, but I'm, I'm good. You remember how long it took you to kind of get over, get over the wrist? Get over the wrist? Uh, let's see. I heard it May May eighteenth, and I was playing. I'll never forget that by the way, that date. Um, I was back playing in August September um, at an elite camp, and that was probably when I was like, like good, you know, mentally. But this was totally different than than that. But you know, it's it's, it's a process, you know, and I think that's the bit beauty of it is it's changed my game you know, in, in such a great way for my personal opinion, being able to stay grounded and just move differently. So I'm not just jumping, 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 jumping. Like I'm able to do different things and it's, it's good. And I'm also being able to slide my feet defensively. You know, that's what I'm most happy about. Thank you guys. All right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Oh, my God. But the player walk outside has changed. What are your thoughts? What was your reaction to the photo? I liked it. I, I thought 
whoever took that picture of me did a good job. I, I look good. I was appreciative of that. <laughs> no, but I think it's I think it's dope. You know, a lot of the stuff that they're they're doing, Ryan and Dwayne and, and Ryan, Ryan and Dwayne are doing, I think is, you know, is, is dope. You know, I think it's something that it's good that they're doing it now so the fans can see. You know, I think last year was it was just us back here in the tunnel and now you have people being able to see it and be a part of an experience. I think that's what's what's cool about it because it makes the fan experience, you know. You know, great. You know, you can see things. You see guys in different elements. You know, you're used to seeing us in the basket. Now you're seeing us in front of a camera, sitting down in a different way. Um, you got the the lounge and stuff like that. You know, part of being a, a Mets fan is the fan experience at City Field. We haven't been necessarily great, but the fan experience is great. <laughs> you know, when you go to City Field, and that's one thing I can see in in this, which I think is which is uh, which is pretty dope. There's Donovan Mitchell, 16 points, three rebounds, four assists, two steals, too, for Donovan. As uh, you can tell, he's making a concerted effort to play hard out there on the defensive side of the basketball. Jazz win 107-86 over the Oklahoma City Thunder. Next up, the Utah Jazz take on the Kings on the road on Friday night. Uh, that game's going to tip off at 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage here on The Zone begins at 7. Coming up next, more DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. There's the best of the Jazz post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Ingles off a Gobert pick. That was one of the better combinations in the league last year. Gives the Rudy right hand hammer. Joe Ingles with an underhand scoop, and Rudy took it with the right, raised it high, and packed it hard. Mitchell splits the double team, rises for a three, and hits it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Came down, split off a pick. Two guys were there. He just rose up in the middle of it and buried a tray. Bogdanovich, he comes off a white side pick to his right. Bullets a pass to Ingles. Quick release over Giddy is no good. Offensive rebound, Bogdanovich. Reverse side layup up and in. Oh, bogey. 19 for Bogdanovich tonight. Jordan Clarkson fires a three. Lululemon! 96-74. And the Jazz go on to beat Oklahoma City 107-86, one down, 81 to go, PK. Well, actually, uh, you know, counting the 16 playoff victories, but in the regular season, yes. And I I will today out on the plaza, starting at about 1030, I want you to come by because I am selling t-shirts, the quest, quest for perfection. Get on that right away. Yeah. Got to get it while it's hot. Exactly. And they're 1-0. <laughs> Before they lose a game. That's <laughs> if. Or when. <laughs> so, I think we should debut at 8 o'clock our, our new segment that I want. And that is? What does it say? <laughs> <laughs> See, now, you're going to get the media. They're only going to ask that. What does it say when they win? But no, not here. The unbiased, unfiltered, unabridged version of DJ and PK. What does it say? We'll ask it win, lose, or in your case, soccer, draw. Nice. <laughs> That's a good point. What does it say about the Dodgers that they're down three games to one? Right. Hey, give us a minute. We're talking so, about jazz. So, <laughs> what does it say about Oklahoma City that they're on? I think that in relation to the jazz, we should do this after every game. What does it say? And we're not going to just do it on wins. We're not front runners. 
82 times in the regular season. Like them what does people. It say? Yeah. And I got I got I think we should come up with one or two and I got two. Oh. Easy. I got you. I got I'll get you two. What if we have the same two? Do we have to come up with two more? Well, you always go first, so if you I'll adjust. We can alternate. No, 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 no. Don't you don't alternate success, buddy. You got a pattern, stick with it. Rudy Gobert has a pattern. He rebounds a lot. 21 boards in the season opener. And 16 points. He had his double-double midway through the second quarter. He was... Rebound. He was in complete control right from the get-go. Did you take me off? You turned yourself off. Oh, I thought, well, once you do that, and he comes back on. But thank you for doing that. Uh, Yeah. And you look at uh, O'Neal for his height. is a great rebounder. And Bogdanovich for his height is a crappy rebounder. (laughs) (laughs) So a large portion of the boards has to go to Gobert. And he does it. (laughs) He went and got him. Yeah. And then and then Whiteside. You look at Whiteside, uh, 10 boards, absolutely huge uh, in, in 19 minutes. So you're getting uh, tw- 31 rebounds out of the five position. That's what you're paying this kid for. That's just great. Jazz get the win. They are off today. Back at it tomorrow in Sacramento against the Kings. Not expected to be good, but they had a good opening night, so let's get to the NBA. Hashtag NBA. Robinson up top. Mayor remaining. Gift to Rose. Finds Fournier. He's open. Pick the three. Now one from straight on. Knocks it down. Got his man in the air. And Fournier, huge in his Knicks debut. Levine step back topside three. Bam! Zach Levine for three. Cleared some distance. And a big splash for Levine. Rebounded by Anderson. Morant pushes forward. Attacks to the rim. Jams with the right hand. Oh, he's a highlight waiting to happen. John Morant with another Length of the floor drive and right-handed jam. Kings are leading 109-98. Inside, uncovered, all alone for a quick turn and a two-hand flush. Harrison Barnes. Monte Morris has it at the midcourt circle. Gets a pick, gets down the lane, throws it off to Barton. Three-pointer, yes! And the first dagger's been thrown by Will Barton. Highlights from the first full night in the NBA. The Nuggets beat the Suns 110-98. That was the marquee matchup of the night. That's a, give me some, yeah, free talk about, man. Your East that. Coast bias. It was the Celtics and my Knicks. No. Nope. It's my West Coast bias. I, that's what I just said. You ever listen to me? You said East Coast bias. You right, East Coast. East Coast. You're a bias against them. Okay, I'll take that. Or against us. I will wear that. One of the reasons no, why you're I a West, you. You're a West Coast guy now. <laughs> Sorry. You don't get to be an East Coast guy just for... 13 years. Everything else about you has been wet. 14, 14, uh-huh. 14. Don't short me. 14. You fetcher. Easy. <laughs> well, I had the Fs going there. Denver winning the fourth quarter big time. What does it say about the Suns? They only scored 16 points in the last 12 minutes. Well, anytime the Suns lose, I open the box score and my eyes go right to how many bricks Jay Crowder has thrown up. Oh, he's he's 0 for 5, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm with you. I looked at it last night when I saw the score. Jay, well, I was over, watching the game. 0 for 5 from yeah. 3. He did not, throws. Did, uh, he did hit his two free throws. Yeah. Did not take a two-point shot. Nothing right. going to the rim. Right. And I checked Booker, too. Oh, Booker had a bad shooting night. He was 3 for 15. But... So. That's like Mitchell didn't have a good shooting night. Those guys are commodities. They're proven. They'll so, be fine. Yeah. 
but uh, I always look at Crowder because he he might be the ultimate hot or cold player in the league. And obviously we have a reference since he played here. I mean, I love his passion and his toughness and all, but sometimes, man, he just fills up a uh, whole chimney with bricks. Jazz are going to play the Kings in Sacramento Friday. Kings open with a win over Portland, 124-121. Yeah, they went into Portland and won. Had a big lead. Portland with a late rally. Harrison Barnes goes for 36 points, and the Kings get the win and are off to a 1-0 start and feeling good about themselves. Yeah, Lillard had a crappy night, 0 of 9 from 3. And I've been saying that for years with those that, that team. I usually go to their guards. And McCollum had a great night. But, so they're 22 uh, of 48, so that's fine. But, yeah, but for them to win, I think they both got to be, unless Lillard goes for 50 or something, which obviously he's capable of doing. So I think their margin of victory or how they're going to win games is so obvious. They just need huge games out of those two players, and it seems like we've been saying it for 10 years. 124 points is a lot to give up. And you're right, if both those guys are shooting, they can outscore teams. But once you give up 120 points, you might pull off a win in Sacramento did because he gave up 121. But you're you're in trouble at that point. That's not a good night. Yeah, but I don't look at uh, Denver or uh, Portland being locking folks down. And, and Harrison Barnes was 8 of 11. Come on, from three. What are you going to do? Not going to sustain that. You're not going to lose either on many of those nights that you have such tremendous shooting. Eight of 11 from three from one of your players. Come on. What are you going to do there? I mean, come on. Come on. Nick's Nick, Nick and Celtics. 138-134. Yeah, I know, right? 138-134 in double OT. That's a lot of time to throw up some massive stats, and guys did it. Jalen Brown. Barf stats? 46. Julius Randle went for 35. And Ooh. he got 10 extra minutes to I've thrown up. up some stats in my day. There you go. You're the man. <laughs> <laughs> a little too literal, but thanks. What'd you have? Oh, those are obviously stats. <laughs> Do you have anything to add about this big game in the East? You're very eager to talk about it. Well, yeah. Did you see Spike? He had some kind of checkered uh, suit going on. And then after the game, he goes down a few, he's on the floor, but a few seats to his right and gives Dustin Hoffman a hug. <laughs> Dustin's got a big smile on his face. Sir, this is Nick basketball, man. That's what I grew up on. I don't talk about it all the time, but I did grow up on Nick basketball as a kid. I watched a ton of Nick basketball. And speaking of throwing up, I told you that story. It was during Christmas break, and I the Knicks were having a matinee, and somehow somebody gave me tickets. I, I never went to a Nick game with my father, so it's somebody who gave us gave me tickets or invited me. And I went to the dentist before the game, and the dental assistant kept jamming her arm all the way to the elbow down my throat. I threw up on her arm, and it was my sister Janet. Heyo. <laughs> Dr. Unger was his name. I still remember they pulled my two front teeth, and I can remember the sound of that teeth oh, coming out. come on now, PK. <laughs> got a nice little NBA segment going, and you're Dude, that in there. True story. Uh, true story. No, no, I can no. still remember that. Now I'm going to throw up. And I can, I can remember the sound. All right, all right. We just heard. Like, like, like a weed deep-rooted in the ground, and you're pulling it out. No Ben Simmons. <laughs> well, Ben Simmons, but... 
the drama. And they overcome it. The Sixers beat the Pelicans 117 to 97. Pelicans. Maybe they just rest in peace. Pelicans or Kings? Who frustrates you more? Well, the Kings don't get the run, so I'm fine with the Kings. You, you need a dog that you can uh, beat a few times a year. Maybe they'll be better this year. But, you know, the Pelicans, they like force-fed us. You know, the NBA, they do they do it a lot with the WNBA. You know, Holly Rowe inter- interview, and I get why she would bring up the Chicago Sky. Uh, but it seems like they, they constantly throw that at you, and I'm fine with it, but they do it. And it's the same thing with New Orleans. You know, we, we got thrown a, a heavy dose of these hey, guys. Hey, Zion's because, on again. Yeah, it's Tuesday. Like, but they're not Watch a good Zion. team. No, they're not a good team. Do we already have the not good teams in the West figured out? Yeah, no like drama last there. Uh, Rockets. February. Yeah. Rockets, Pelicans, Kings, bad, bad, bad. Pelicans agreed to a two-year contract extension with uh, Jonas Valanciunas. $30 million. Got him from the Grizzlies in the offseason. I think he had 30 million missed shots last night. <laughs> it was awful. Like 3-19 and 19 or something. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Pressure's on me to play well. I will play well. I don't know who the tackle is and I'm going against, but I'm, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> I'm going to kill him. And the other guy, too, on the other side. And I'm, and I'm going to play extremely well. And I'm going to make plays for my team. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to set us up to, to win this game for sure. That's Vaughn Miller. He is going to light up somebody. Whoever it is. You don't even know. Nope, he doesn't. Denver is at Cleveland in the Thursday night game. Both teams 3-3. Three and three. Baker Mayfield is out with his shoulder injury. Case Keenum will get the start. 620 on Fox and the NFL Network. Classic 3-3 three and three teams here. Who gets it going and who's going to be out of the playoff race by midseason? Is there a college game on or something? App State and Coastal Carolina. That was last night. It was a good game. Yep. I'm not excited about this game. Russell Wilson on IR, Seattle claiming Jacob Eason off waivers after his cut by the Colts. He was a star at the University of Washington. He's from mm-hmm. Lake Stevens. So he played at the University of Washington. I don't know that I'd call him a star. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. App State upsets number 14 Coastal Carolina in the Sun Belt. Coastal Carolina was ranked 14th, undefeated 6-0, had a 14-0 lead in the first quarter, and App State came back and beat them on a field goal right at the end. Literally. Yep. It was a chippy, but yeah, right at the end. And then they stormed the field. Now, that, that was wholesome. I like to see that. App State, the little guy, fans all pouring out. It was fun to watch that, that scene. And I was looking at it on my phone. I saw it was close. Followed that last drive as they moved down the field. Got the ball with three or four minutes to go. And got the settled for the field goal so they would run out the clock. I think it was like a, what, a 20 yard or 25 yard or something like that. Uh, and then everybody stormed like that. That that was the essence. That was junior high-ish. And I liked it. So one more team knocked from the ranks of the unbeaten. Who's going to pull it off besides Georgia? We all expect Georgia to do it, although... I would say besides San Diego State and Georgia. Yeah, come on now. (laughs) Cincinnati can run the table. I feel for you and your tender heart. I hope you didn't get Charlie Oh, if I said they were going to go undefeated, you'd make fun of me too because you don't believe they are. 
So I don't care if they do. I don't believe anybody's going undefeated. That's not unique to them, though. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, winner of that game undefeated. I mean, I realize teams do it, but I never pick somebody I to go undefeated. That. I get that. The odds are stacked against all these teams. But <laughs> who will escape and pull it off? I'd have to examine the rest of their schedules to see. I don't know off the top of my head who they're playing besides that one. And obviously those are two top ten teams who are undefeated. So I get your point there. And then that should be a great match. I look forward to that. American Athletic Conference, uh, they, they play along like, oh, they're applying. They're going to apply. Yeah, it's already done. Uh, Florida Atlantic, Charlotte, North Texas, U- UTSA, Rice, and UAB. New members of the American Athletic Conference, they'll join in 2023. American replacing the teams that went to the Big 12 or replacing teams that went to the SEC. It's just... Just reach down and... Yeah, just reach down and... Yeah. Oh, someone took teams from us, well, we'll take teams from you. Who's got the money? Rice, the old whack rivals of BYU and uh, Utah. Oh, the memories, the quads. I was there. I covered it. I was... I didn't know why I was there, but... <laughs> but you were there. <laughs> yes, yes. I was there and on Rice's all, campus. All I remember about Rice is I think they scored like 50 on the Utes one day and just, just ran it. They just ran it and ran it and ran it some more, and the Utes could not stop the option, and it was awful. Well, I don't remember much else. Majerus had uh, a basketball team that went down there and played um, Big Monday which so was, was 11, 11 o'clock, o'clock until yeah. 1 in the morning. Yes. First and foremost, we're going to make sure the kids are exhausted Tuesday. I was exhausted, and it was raining that day in Houston. It just took like 25 days to get to the 10 o'clock at night, and you still had an hour to go. And they played it up with the Rice crowd, come in your pajamas. So the students came in the pajamas. And I remember talking to Gifford Nielsen that before the game because he was doing television there at the time, and Obviously knew I was from Utah, so we were talking. And uh, so, of course, the Utes won. I don't remember a thing about the game. And afterward, uh, he comes out, and he makes a Majerus says something, make a quick statement, and then he goes down the hall, and the Rice TV people are like, oh, uh, he said, I'll be right back. And they, and, they, and they groan. I don't know if he had to go to the bathroom or something. He says, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Your deadlines are long oh, gone. God. What are you complaining about? Because he knew the business, <laughs> and he was they just right. They to go home. That's what they're complaining about. I want to go home and go to bed. <laughs> so the old uh, old rice thing. Did you see? Uh, we don't have this on there, but yesterday was Big Twelve basketball media day, and uh, the coaches just going nuts about BYU. Bill Self. As long as Mark Pope is there, they're attorney team. One of the great environments yeah. in the country, and it really is. And, and, and he came it, here with another team also, early in his career, yeah. Going back to the old Big Whack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he knows all about it. And they were very complimenting, as they should. This is going to be a great basketball league. There's just no question about it. Former Washington State coach Nick Rolovich will be suing the university for illegal termination in part because of what is labeled discriminatory and vindictive behavior by athletic director Ooh. Pat Chun. I know another Pat who likes vindictive behavior, and that'd be me. DJ and PK. <laughs> Hashtag Major League Baseball. 
And Siri lifts this one in a shallow right center field. That's going to drop. And that'll score another run as Tucker comes home. Here comes Julie. Throw to the plate is cut off. Two come home on the base hit by Siri. His first postseason hit. And the Astros lead grows to 6-0. 1-1 pitch. Rosario hits one well to deep right field. Back at the wall. That one is gone. Rosario knocked the living daylights out of it. And it's a 9-2 Braves lead in the ninth. Braves blowed open with four in the ninth. They were already up 5-2. Kind of echoes of the game before. Really and, was, yeah. And Houston wins 9-1. They blowed open with five runs in the sixth inning. The Red Sox bats that have been so hot, 25 runs in the first three games, all that sort of stuff, one run on three hits. Nothing. Crickets. Very quiet. And the Dodger bats... Almost as quiet. Two runs on four hits. Yeah, Dodgers in a world of hurt now. They're down 3-1, and Justin Turner went out with, uh, what, a quad or a hammy or something like that. He pulled up lame, uh, and he's been the heart and soul of that team. 36 years old, and he's probably done. And then, the, and then the Braves. You know, I, I, we, I have these imaginary arguments with Locke all the time. Imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, because he comes on here, you know, he's a... He's an NBA honk, I get it. And he likes to rip baseball. They should redo the batting order. You go to the stadium and you only get Mike Trout four times, you know. Yeah. Whereas you come to our games and you get Donovan Mitchell, blah, 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 blah. All right, yeah. And then it ends up being highly predictable. Whereas in baseball, some no-name dude comes out of nowhere. And I'm looking at you, Eddie Rosario. I remember him as like a Twins utility player. That's it. And there he is in the series hitting 588, and he has four hits. And he's been the most valuable offensive player, and the Braves are one game away. That's the beauty of baseball. I guess maybe it's the curse of baseball, because most folks have no idea who Eddie Rosario is. But he's hot with the bat right now, and he's leading the Braves to within one game of the World Series. So it's not always the stars. Braves 88 wins. Of the five playoff teams in the National League, that was the lowest total. And yet, here they are, one game from the World Series, getting through everybody. 95-win Brewers, 106-win Dodgers. One to go, and they're in. Today, it's uh, no game in the American League today. Game five in the National League. TBS tonight, Braves and Dodgers, 6 o'clock. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is a must-win for the Dodgers. Good call. Good call. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Lincoln Kennedy is going to join us at 8.30. Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. We're talking football with Lincoln at 8.30. And Joe Ingles, to be determined. We'll see how it plays out. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The new zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 7. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. 
Hot Takes with Toast is brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair? It's 2021, and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment. Or visit www.utahhairmd.com. So, Game 1 is in the books with the jazz good enough for you. Dave? Sounded good, but didn't get to see it. Kyle said the 12 people who got to watch it will have to call me tomorrow and let me know. I'll give that guy a call. Was that Kyle he said? Yep. All right, call him because it's now tomorrow because that was yesterday. Kyle, how you doing? Yeah, it's a Want good to get game. you up to date. Yeah, We're here for our listeners. Change stations, change owners, it don't matter. We're here for you. Chowder says, jazz decent at best. OKC is the bottom of the barrel. And Ron agrees, yeah, but it was hard to judge because OKC looks pretty bad. Well, was, they're so stinking young, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You realize this giddy kid, giddy up, we have been doing the show longer than he's been on planet Earth. <laughs> I looked it up. That's great. He was born in the fall of 2020 or 2002. We started in, in the spring. spring of 2002. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where it's at. Because <laughs> he looked like he was 14. Yeah. Uh, looked probably, probably, and he's Australian, and I think he played for Adelaide, so he has a history where Joe has it. And Joe has become yeah. a mentor to him. I would think that he would look at Joe, and Joe likes to make fun of us being old, but I hate to say it, Joe, he looks at you like an old-timer because <laughs> that's the way the world works. Eventually, you'll be an old-timer unless you're dead. Uh, so beats the alternative, as my sister would say. But, uh, yeah, they're so young. I mean, used to be – Pope has gotten away from recruiting missionaries, and it's kind of been – no one's really talked about that story very much. It used to be almost exclusively missionaries, but it's not anymore. Uh, for those of you who care about those things, I certainly don't. But I had a BYU guy point that out to me, that Pope certainly has moved away from that. So what I was going to say is back in the day when they were almost exclusively missionaries, BYU's starting lineup would have been older than OKC's starting lineup. Ponder that for a moment. Outside of favors. I don't think anybody was over 24. They really, really are young. And youth doesn't win in this league unless you're Magic or Bird or somebody. You know, obviously the, the the superstars of the league, Jordan being one, didn't win until he was in his mid-20s. I mean, he won, but I mean, won it all. So maybe that's not the same thing because you can win, but win it all. You've got to have a, a high level of maturity and experience. But Oklahoma City is clearly in rebuild mode. That's why Barry Trammell was on here yesterday saying, yeah, it's a good thing Oklahoma and Oklahoma State it's are undefeated. Barry, not Barry. Barry. With an E, not an A. And it's a good thing the Sooners and the Cowboys are undefeated and nationally ranked, absorbing everybody's attention. Because the Thunder, they got some heavy lifting to do. Yeah, I think that even if they were an NBA title contender this time of year, it would be all about the Sooners anyway. I mean, they're right down the road from Oklahoma City. I have been there. And uh, so, yeah, they're just so stinking young. They're not, they're not built to win anytime soon here. David's down on the team. Nope. Against a better team, they would have lost by 20. Whiteside did not do well. Good luck with that. Favors looked as bad, though. 
I, I think you're totally wrong on Whiteside. How many boards? 10, 19 minutes. You're asking him to do a specific task, right? He knows exactly what he needs to do when he comes into the, into the game, right? He's only been here a few weeks, but still. He's a veteran dude. He knows, it, as he was signing the paper, he knew specifically what his role was going to be. There's zero surprises there, right? And he came in. He's to provide some defense, get some boards, be a protector. You know, if you get a little jump hook, take it. Uh, almost like anything on that is a bonus offensively. Not completely. You can't be a total stiff. Uh, but the primary goal and objective for him is to board and block. The two Bs, board and block. I like that. It's amazing. The longer I talk, the more I stumble into crap. <laughs> board and block. And he got it done in game one. Yeah. He's an upgrade, and it favors his body has long since betrayed him. You know, he's been broken for a good while now uh, compared to the athleticism he had when he was a kid coming into the league. He had a sequence where he missed three shots and followed it up with an offensive goaltend. That looked pretty frustrating. But to your point, everything looked like it was below the rim. Yeah. The explosion's gone. He's playing old man basketball. Right. It happens to all of them at some point. For him, he got robbed a little bit earlier than you would anticipate. What are you going to do? It's not like he's glad that that's happened. That's just the way it is, for whatever reason. Some guys have injury issues. Some some of them have them in high school. Some of them have them in college. At least he had an opportunity to make uh, all sorts of million dollars. And he's been robbed of his athleticism. So with that in mind, it's such a short little sample, but I can easily say that Whiteside is an upgrade. Believe that. How yeah. much of an upgrade and how will better teams attack well, him and pull him see. away from the rim? Right. That's all to be determined. Yeah. But if teams let him play around the rim and defend around the rim, then you're just playing into his wheelhouse. He'll be good at that. Right. Exactly. And he's guarding. You know, I don't know. You see what matchups are down the road with teams pulling out, whatnot. So you know, the Jazz will have to make adjustments and all that stuff. But for the first game. He was brought in to do a task, and he did it. Alex says, I can easily see several defensive issues for the Jazz, not to mention they give up too many offensive boards. At least Lou Dort didn't go off for 50, thanks to Donovan. Definitely need a bigger sample size and better competition to see what the Jazz really have this year. And he dropped a we. What we really have this year. Fine. I agree with that. This was preseason 2.0. They walked out. They knew they were way better than the Thunder, and they were way better than the Thunder. The Thunder did have 15 offensive boards. That's a big number. Yeah. like to keep that number in single digits. I mean, nobody can. had an outrageous amount. Favors had four, looking at the box score. Uh, Roby, whoever the crap he is, had four. Uh, so, yeah. But... What's the sense of urgency here? There wasn't one. They're way better than Oklahoma City. Yeah. And everybody knew it. Oklahoma City knew it. They knew it. Right. Do I want a sense of urgency? 
Just play well enough. You were you were cruising. It's basically like you had a fifth preseason game. Yep. Uh, one thing that I really liked, and I think it was on purpose, is Conley only playing 25 minutes. Keep the minutes down and don't stress out those hamstrings. Right. You know, you had a comfortable lead. You got it early. You maintained it. You know, you're up nine, I think, at half. Or, excuse me, at first quarter. And then, mm-hmm. what, like 12 or 12 13 at the, and a half. 12 at yeah, halftime. Something like that, yeah. It was 20 by the end of the third right. quarter. So, it was always comfortable. And then they got it down a couple of times. And Quinn called a timeout. But I think that was like a practice timeout. You know, simulate. Make sure when you're playing a better team and you get a lead that they don't go on a big run. So... You take a timeout, but it's not like he storms out, take a timeout, and you could see the look of angst on his face or any of that stuff. It's just like, okay, this is what we do, so we got to respect the game, and we'll take a timeout and regroup a little bit. Not that I'm worried about losing, but he can't say that. And uh, I, I believe, in my mind, that he purposely managed Conley's minutes. Like, we don't really need him tonight, so don't, don't play him. 25 minutes is nothing. Well, nobody played 30. That's good. Right. But they all played more than 25. True story. The starters I'm talking about. The main dudes. The other guys were all at 28, and then uh, Gobert was at 29. Right. So I think that that's a calculated decision, which seems to me is what they should do. Why risk it? Because there's times, like you just look at last year, he's playing, things are going well, and all of a sudden he comes out, and you're watching the game, you start thinking to yourself, uh-oh. And then a few minutes later, you get a report. Uh, he felt tightening in the hamstring. You think, oh, crap. Not again. Two weeks, three weeks, what are we looking at? You know what I mean? And so you want to avoid that as much as possible. Well, you got Butler. He can take a few minutes. And Joe and Donovan can... Take over the ball, run the offense a little bit. They've got options. Yeah, I thought, and you saw Joe bring the ball up a number of times. Uh, and Joe had six, 26 minutes. That seems about right for him. That's, that's plenty of time for him to do damage and have an impact on the game. Because one of the things that was frustrating last year from occasionally, and actually not just last year, is when he wasn't involved. He's too good of a player not to have an impact on the game. He's going to have more of an impact on the game when he's initiating the offense, the ball is in his hands. And the less Conley plays, the more chance there is for that to happen. And then off the ball, this is such a uh, has such continuity to this group that everybody knows if Joe's open, get him the ball. Like, there's no question, no matter who you are. Because, if, like, you say you have on the, on the side, like in front of the visitor's bench, and you got a little two-on-one situation, a little triangle going, and Bogdanovich passes it to Joe because Bogdanovich's defender is close to him, and then the defender slides over to Joe, Bogdanovich knows full well that Joe will give it right back to him. Because he has no selfishness. If anything, it's the other way around. And so they're so willing to pass Joe the ball because they know he can hit the shot, as he did, and then they also know if there's a rotation and the passer becomes then the more open guy, he'll get the ball right back. Quinn brought that up after the game because he wants some shooting open shots. 
it's you know Quinn Quinn's been coaching here long enough now. Don't Just you like know seven eight years? Yeah, don't you know the post game before before it's coming? Oh, what he's going to talk about? Yeah, you know. We got it. We got to keep getting better. What's well, individually the same thing. and as a group? Same thing with every coach. He's just going to hammer it. Yeah. Yeah. Stays on message. Don't pass up shots. It's hard to get another great shot in that 24-second window. If you pass one up, we may end up having to force it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we know. Like, if you ask Kalani about the team's offense, you know, and the way they move the ball, he's I don't care. Just score points. You can do whatever you want. You can run the ball. You take quarterback sneaks all the way down the field. You can run five reverses on one play, or you can throw the bomb. I don't care. Score points. That's all he cares about. He said that a million times. So, yeah, we know these guys now because uh, that we have continuity uh, in football. Basketball is new uh, with uh, Craig T. Smith moving down to Utah, but we still know him a little bit and in his raspy voice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a lot of yelling. And his sort of self-deprecating manner in which he does. He's a fun guy. Uh, hopefully they get uh, they get going here. Maybe not so much this year, but in the next year or two that they get they get their their program built. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. So you know what Quinn Snyder's going to say most of the time? Absolutely, yeah, you do. But I, I thought that for somebody like Joe, I thought they he had an impact on the game, and we should tally this up: how much better they are, and how many more win, how many games they win when he has a significant impact. And I guess you could say that about everybody. But you take like somebody like Mitchell, he didn't have a good uh, shooting night uh, the way he's capable. But even then, he's probably going to have an impact. He doesn't need to be great to be an impact player because even when he's average, his level of average is still impactful on the game. There's been a few games where Joe, for whatever reason, hasn't had that, and he's too good not to have that. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Your take on the season opener. Grab your phone, use the app, use the open mic feature, send us your takes. Yach will get them on the air. Lincoln Kennedy is going to join us at 8.30. Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 analyst, and Joe Ingles in the 9 o'clock hour, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's another Pac-12 road trip for Utah as Kyle Whittingham and the Utes head to the Pacific Northwest to battle Oregon State in Corvallis. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 4.30 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Football Friday is presented by Stonehaven Dental. At Stonehaven Dental, they say yes. Yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. Well, Bob Huggins is saying what people have wondered about for at least 10 years, maybe more. But nobody of his stature has really pitched it and pushed it. But now he's talking about splitting up March Madness, the big dance, the NCAA basketball tournament. He says they're doing it in football. 
Why wouldn't they do it in basketball? The presidents and ADs that have all the juice, why wouldn't they do it? It makes no sense why they wouldn't do it. I think it's more why wouldn't they than why would they? And then the other people, they can have their own tournament. The other people? Yes, the little people is what he meant. Oh, my gosh. Say goodbye to Gonzaga. You don't really want to watch them in the NCAA tournament. Actually, I do. I do, too. Who are you speaking for here, bud? Speaking generally. This is what Huggins is. Those Cinderella schools are putting 200 people at best in their gym. We're putting 14,000. Speak for yourself. My club's putting almost 20,000 in the 50-year-old Marriott Center. What looks just as beautiful as ever. I get tingles when I walk in the Marriott Center. (laughs) That brown brick. Such a beautiful building. Thank you, Marriott. Thank you for all the points that I've accumulated over the years for all the travel, by the way, too. Appreciate that. Bob Huggins. Bonvoy. Bonvoy it is, yes. What it's called. I'm Titanium Elite for life. That's how special oh, I am. Wow. <laughs> titanium Elite for life. Yes. Yes, that's how freaking special I am. What percentage of your life have you slept away in a Marriott Hotel? <laughs> Well, are you talking about on the job or off the job? Percentage of your life, either, both. <laughs> you know, because there's some sore details I can't get into. Uh, Highly doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because when I would have had sore details, I was too cheap to afford Marriott's. <laughs> uh, yeah, a whole lot, yeah. I, I, I was fortunate, you know, working for the Watchdog and other newspapers over the years, and I'd go for travel. That's all you, I, you would stay at. And then when I quit the watchdog, that's when the economy started to go in the tank. So they looked at me and said, wow, he stays a lot. So I don't stay near as much, but they, they titaniumed me for life as an incentive for me to stay with them, which I would have anyway. So I would have probably not qualified, but since it was a dire times, they gave me that thing. They send me the thing every year, man. And they, when you show up, and you go to check in, and they practically give you a kiss on the cheek, man. They treat you fine. So, but uh, Marriott Center gets 20000 But his thing of 14000 which uh, that's probably what West Virginia holds. And sure, yeah, there is a difference. We've spoken that for years, for a decade now, since we've been watching BYU in these crappy environments in the West Coast Conference. A whole generation of BYU basketball players never got to experience what life on the road was like for BYU. Chaos. Yeah. And having covered them, I I mean, I did most of the time, I did the Utes, but I think I covered BYU hoop for four or five years. Uh, So I can can experience it and was able to. And man, the animosity, when when they would go in those traditional uh, conference foes, El Paso, New Mexico, Wyoming, CSU, you name it. And then Vegas came into this on the scene. San Diego State came in, and they would put the the uh, visiting bench right by the student section. Yeah, and and there was nothing like that. So all this in the last decade, those guys have no idea what it's like to play BYU, be a BYU basketball player on the road, unless they came to the Huntsman Center. And and Gonzaga, I guess, and St. Mary's is okay. But St. Mary's is a bad crowd in the Mountain West whack. 
But now they'll get it again. Maybe they won't get it to the level, but they'll certainly get the intensity of all that when the, in, in a couple of years when they go to these venues. Uh, but as far as Huggins, man, I, I just don't know that that's what I want. And I get football. Football football's a different entity, though. You, know, you can suffer serious, serious injuries in football. There could be su- in such a physical game. And you can suffer them in basketball, too. But the chances of them being catastrophic, they're just not that many. How many season-ending injuries? Julian Blackman just got one for the Colts, right? And former Ute local kid. And tore his Achilles in practice yesterday. How many times do you you see that occasionally in basketball? But it's just a different animal. So I wouldn't necessarily compare the college playoff football system to NCAA basketball. Set aside the Cinderella aspect of it, and we romanticize March Madness, you know? We we watch it that first day, and we see in the second half, what is it? Does a four play 13? Is that what mm-hmm. it works off And we see if the 13 is up by seven with five minutes to go. We get a shot of adrenaline, even if it's Belmont against West Virginia, and we don't care. We still get a shot of adrenaline, right? And we got to turn it on. And then if they win, we can all still imagine who was I don't even know the team. When uh, Craig Bojack was up there in Boise calling that game, and they beat Iowa State, and that little fat coach. Was it Bucknell? I can't remember. I don't know. And they hold the guy up. Yeah. And he's pumping and wiggling his arms and his legs and all that, and he's up in Boise. Yeah. Come on. Do Do we really want to get rid of that? Even if we don't have it that much? And that team's probably going to lose in the next round or the round after that. But so what? And there are the teams that go on the runs. And I like it and don't want it to go away. But obviously there's, there's people who want all the money. And that's what Huggins is getting at. Why are we sharing the money with those people? With those people. Because they need it. And it's the American way. It's Hoosiers. It's Hoosiers come to life. Right? They made a movie about Hoosiers. Who hasn't seen Hoosiers? Every one of us has seen Hoosiers. You know what I mean? Jimmy Chitwood and all that stuff. That's And that was what, in the 50s? Yeah. Well, this is now, and it can happen. We don't know that it's going to happen, but it can happen. And the allure of it can happening is why we're in. And we want to get rid of that? And Bob Huggins is the one to preach to us? Yes. Bob Huggins, with his background? Yes. Hmm. He's just a bad guy who's willing to say it. There's plenty of people thinking it. But they haven't acted on it yet. Hampton, in 2001, knocked him out in the first round as a 15 seed. That's who you couldn't think of. Bob Huggins. Can I argue Huggins is was what is what's wrong with college basketball and college sports? You can. I mean, all the issues he's had. Not all of the uh, coaches at the big schools want to do that. Texas coach Chris Beard, right. who's coached at a lot of levels, said, "I'm one of the guys that I don't think anything's wrong with the NCAA tournament." And he was at Arkansas Little Rock 
and, and they won a game and got to the second round of 2016. I thought 64 was fine. It's just, why are we trying to fix something that ain't broke? It's the best three weeks in sports, and I feel like I can talk about it because I've been on all ends of it. True. Obviously, he's at a powerhouse school now, Texas, big money school, but he was at Arkansas Little Rock. So. Yeah, well, I mean, Huggins was at Akron in a place called Walsh. Mm-hmm. You know where Walsh is. <laughs> I don't either. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Lincoln Kennedy coming up at 830. Joe Ingles in the 9 o'clock hour right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Come on. Are you ready? ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Ingles off a Gobert pick. That was one of the better combinations in the league last year. Gives the Rudy right hand hammer. Joe Ingles with an underhand scoop, and Rudy took it with the right, raised it high, and packed it hard. Mitchell splits the double team, rises for a three, and hits it. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Came down, split off a pick. Were there, he just rose up in the middle of it and buried a tray. Vodanovich, he comes off a white side pick to his right. Bullets a pass to Ingles. Quick release over Giddy is no good. Offensive rebound, Bogdanovich. Reverse side layup up and in. Oh, bogey. 19 for Bogdanovich tonight. Jordan Clarkson fires a three. Lulu Lemon! 96 74. And the Jazz go on to beat Oklahoma City 107-86, one down, 81 to go, PK. Well, actually, uh, you know, counting the 16 playoff victories, but in the regular season, yes. And I I will today out on the plaza, starting at about 1030, I want you to come by because I am selling t-shirts, the quest, quest for perfection. Get on that right away. Yeah. Got to get it while it's hot. Exactly. And they're 1-0. <laughs> Before they lose a game. <laughs> As if. Or when. <laughs> so, I think we should debut at 8 o'clock our, our new segment that I want. And that is. What does it say? <laughs> <laughs> See, now, you're going to get the media. They're only going to ask that. What does it say when they win? But no, not here. The unbiased, unfiltered, unabridged version of DJ and PK. What does it say? We'll ask it win, lose, or in your case, soccer, draw. Nice. (laughs) That's a good point. What does it say about the Dodgers that they're down three games to one? Right. Hey, give us a minute. We're talking about Jazz. So, What does it say about Oklahoma City that they're on? I think that in relation to the Jazz, we should do this after every game. What does it say? And we're not going to just do it on wins. We're not front runners. 82 times in the regular season. Like them what people. Does it say? Yeah. And I got I got I think we should come up with one or two and I got two. Oh. Easy. I got you. I get I'll get you two. What if we have the same two? Do we have to come up with two more? Well, you always go first, so if you I'll adjust. We can alternate. No, 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 no. no. Don't, don't you don't alternate success, buddy. You got a pattern. Stick with it. Rudy Gobert has a pattern. He rebounds a lot. 21 boards in the season opener. And 16 points. He had his double-double midway through the second quarter. He was... Rebound. He was in complete control right from the get-go. Did you take me off? 
You turned yourself off. Oh, I thought, well, once you do that, and he comes back on. But thank no. you for doing that. Uh, yeah. And you look at uh, O'Neal for his height is a great rebounder. And Bogdanovich for his height is a crappy rebounder. <laughs> <laughs> so a large portion of the boards has to go to Gobert. And he does it. <laughs> he went and got him. Yeah. And then, and then Whiteside. You look at Whiteside, uh, 10 boards. Absolutely huge. Uh in 19 minutes. So you're getting uh, tw- 31 rebounds out of the five position. That's what you're paying this kid for. That's just great. Jazz get the win. They are off today. Back at it tomorrow in Sacramento against the Kings. Not expected to be good, but they had a good opening night. So let's get to the NBA. Hashtag NBA. Robinson up top, minute remaining, give to Rose, finds Fournier, he's open, fake the three, now one from straight on, knocks it down, got his man in the air, and Fournier, huge in his Knicks debut. Levine, step back, top side, three, bam! Zach Levine for three, cleared some distance, and a big splash for Levine. Rebounded by Anderson, Morant pushes forward, attacks to the rim, jams with the right hand, oh, he's a highlight waiting to happen, John Morant with another Length of the floor drive and right-handed jam. Kings are leading 109-98. Inside, uncovered, all alone for a quick turn and a two-hand flush. Harrison Barnes. Monte Morris has it at the midcourt circle. Gets a pick, gets down the lane, throws it off to Barton, three-pointer. Yes! And the first dagger's been thrown by Will Barton. Highlights from the first full night in the NBA. The Nuggets beat the Suns 110-98. That was the marquee matchup of the night. That's a, give me some, yeah, free talk about, man. Your yeah, East Coast yeah. bias. This the Celtics and my Knicks. No. Nope. It's my West Coast bias. I, that's what I just said. You ever listen to me? You said East Coast bias. You right, East Coast. East Coast. You're a bias against them. Okay, I'll take that. Or against us. I will wear that. One of the reasons no, why you're, I hate a West, you. you're a West Coast guy now. Sorry, you don't get to be an East Coast guy just for 13 years. Everything else about you's been West. 14, 14, uh-huh. 14. Don't short me. 14. You fetcher. Easy. <laughs> well, I had the F's going there. Denver winning the fourth quarter big time. What does it say about the Suns? They only scored 16 points in the last 12 minutes. Well, anytime the Suns lose. I open the box score and my eyes go right to how many bricks Jay Crowder has thrown up. Oh, he was 0 for 5, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm with you. I looked at it last night when I saw the score. Jay, I was over, watching the game. Over 5 from yeah. 3. He did not, throws. Did, uh, he did it his two free throws. Yeah. Did not take a two point shot. Nothing right. going to the rim. Right. And then I checked Booker, too. Oh, Booker had a bad shooting night. He was 3 for 15. But. So. That's like Mitchell didn't have a good shooting night. Those guys are commodities. They're proven. They'll so, be fine. Yeah. But uh, I always look at Crowder because he, he might be the ultimate hot or cold player in the league. And obviously we have a reference since he played here. I mean, I love his passion and his toughness and all. But sometimes, man, he just fills up a uh, whole chimney with bricks. Jazz are going to play the Kings in Sacramento Friday. Kings open with a win over Portland, 124-121. Yeah, they went into Portland and won. Had a big lead. Portland with a late rally. Harrison Barnes goes for 36 points, and the Kings get the win and are off to a 1-0 start and feeling good about themselves. Yeah, Lillard had a crappy night, 0-9 from 3. 
And I've been saying that for years with those that, that team. I usually go to their guards. And McCollum had a great night. But, so they're 22 uh, of 48, so that's fine. But, yeah, but for them to win, I think they both got to be, unless Lillard goes for 50 or something, which obviously he's capable of doing. So I think their margin of victory or how they're going to win games is so obvious. They just need huge games out of those two players, and it seems like we've been saying it for 10 years. 124 points is a lot to give up. And you're right, if both those guys are shooting, they can outscore teams. But and once you give up 120 points, you might pull off a win in Sacramento did because they gave up 121. But you're, you're in trouble at that point. That's not a good night. Yeah, but I don't look at uh, Denver or uh, Portland being locking folks down. And, and Harrison Barnes was 8 of 11. Come on, from three. What are you going to do? Not going to sustain that. And you're not going to lose either on many of those nights that you have such tremendous shooting. Eight of 11 from three from one of your players. Come on. What are you going to do there? I mean, come on. Come on. Nick, it's a, Nick, <laughs> Knicks and Celtics. 138-134. Yeah, I know, right? 138-134 in double OT. That's a lot of time to throw up some massive stats. And guys did it. Jalen Brown. Barf stats? 46. Julius Randle went for 35. And Ooh. he got 10 extra minutes to I've thrown up. up some stats in my day. There you go. You're the man. <laughs> <laughs> a little too literal, but thanks. What'd you have? Oh, those are obviously stats. <laughs> Do you have anything to add about this big game in the East? You're very eager to talk about it. Well, yeah. Did you see Spike? He had some kind of checkered uh, suit going on. And then after the game, he goes down a few... He's on the floor, but a few seats to his right and gives Dustin Hoffman a hug. (laughs) Dustin's got a big smile on his face. Sure. This is Nick basketball, man. That's what I grew up on. I don't talk about it all the time, but I did grow up on Nick basketball as a kid. I watched a ton of Nick basketball. And speaking of throwing up, I told you that story. It was during Christmas break, and I the Knicks were having a matinee, and somehow somebody gave me tickets. I, I never went to a Nick game with my father, so it's somebody who gave us gave me tickets or invited me. And I went to the dentist before the game, and the dental assistant kept jamming her arm all the way to the elbow down my throat. I threw up on her arm, and it was my sister, Janet. hey <laughs> Dr. Unger was his name. I still remember they pulled my two front teeth, and I can remember the sound of that teeth oh, just coming out. come on now, PK. <laughs> got a nice little NBA segment going, and you're Dude, that in there. True story. Uh, true know, story. Know, I can still remember that. Now I'm going to throw up. And I can, I can remember the sound. All right, all right. We just heard. Just like, like, like a weed deep-rooted in the ground, and you're pulling it out. No Ben Simmons. <laughs> well, Ben Simmons, but the drama. And they overcome it. The Sixers beat the Pelicans 117 to 97. Pelicans. Maybe they just rest in peace. Pelicans or Kings? Who frustrates you more? Well, the Kings don't get the run, so I'm fine with the Kings. You, you need a dog that you can uh, beat a few times a year. Maybe they'll be better this year. But, you know, the Pelicans, they like force fed us. You know, the NBA, they do, they do it a lot with the WNBA. You know, Holly Rowe inter- interview, and I get why she would bring up the Chicago Sky. 
Uh, but it seems like they, they constantly throw that at you, and I'm fine with it, but they do it. And it's the same thing with New Orleans. You know, we, we get thrown a, a heavy dose of these hey, guys. Hey, Zion's because, on again. Yeah, it's Tuesday. Like, but they're not Watch a good Zion. team. No, they're not a good team. Do we already have the not good teams in the West figured out? Yeah, no like drama last, there. Rockets. Uh, February. Yeah. Rockets, Pelicans, Kings. Bad, bad, bad. Pelicans agreed to a two-year contract extension with uh, Jonas Valanciunas. $30 million. Got him from the Grizzlies in the offseason. I think he had 30 million missed shots last night. <laughs> it was awful. Like 3 and 19 or something. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Pressure's on me to play well. I will play well. I don't know who the tackle is I'm going against, but I'm, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> I'm going to kill him. And the other guy, too, on the other side. And I'm, and I'm going to play extremely well. And I'm going to make plays for my team. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to set us up to, to win this game for sure. That's Vaughn Miller. He is going to light up somebody. Whoever it is. You don't even know. Nope, he doesn't. Denver is at Cleveland in the Thursday night game. Both teams 3-3. and Baker Mayfield is out with his shoulder injury. Case Keenum will get the start. 6-20 on Fox and the NFL Network. Classic 3-3 and teams here. Who gets it going and who's going to be out of the playoff race by midseason? Is there a college game on or something? App State and Coastal Carolina? That was last night. It was a good game. Yep. I'm not excited about this game. Russell Wilson on IR, Seattle claiming Jacob Eason off waivers after his cut by the Colts. He was a star at the University of Washington. He's from mm-hmm. Lake Stevens. So he played at the University of Washington. I don't know that I'd call him a star. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. App State upsets number 14 Coastal Carolina in the Sun Belt. Coastal Carolina was ranked 14th, undefeated 6-0, had a 14-0 lead in the first quarter, and App State came back and beat them on a field goal right at the end. Literally. Yep. It was a chippy, but yeah, right at the end. And then they stormed the field. Now, that, that was wholesome. I like to see that. App State, the little guy, fans all pouring out. It was fun to watch that, that scene. And I was looking at it on my phone. I saw it was close. Followed that last drive as they moved down the field. Got the ball with three or four minutes to go. And got the settled for the field goal so they would run out the clock. I think it was like a, what, a 20-yard or 25-yard or something like that. Uh, and then everybody stormed like that. That that was the essence. That was junior high-ish. And I liked it. So one more team knocked from the ranks of the unbeaten. Who's going to pull it off besides Georgia? We all expect Georgia to huh. do it, although... I would say besides San Diego State and Georgia. No, yeah, come on now. <laughs> Cincinnati can run the table. I feel for you and your tender heart. I hope you didn't get Charlie Oh, if Brown I said they were going to go undefeated, you'd make fun of me too because you don't believe they are. So I don't care if they do. I don't believe anybody's going undefeated. That's not unique to them, though. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, winner of that game undefeated. I mean, I realize teams do it, but I never pick somebody I to go undefeated. That. I get that. The odds are stacked against all these teams. But <laughs> who will escape and pull it off? I'd have to examine the rest of their schedules to see. I don't know off the top of my head who they're playing besides that one. And obviously, those are two top ten teams who are undefeated. So I get your point there. And then that should be a great match. I look forward to that. 
American Athletic Conference. Uh, they, they play along like, oh, they're applying. They're going to apply. Yeah, it's already done. Uh, Florida Atlantic, Charlotte, North Texas, U- UTSA, Rice, and UAB. New members of the American Athletic Conference. They'll join in 2023. American replacing the teams that went to the Big 12 or replacing teams that went to the SEC. It's just... Just reach down and... Yeah, just reach down and... Oh, someone took teams from us, but we'll take teams from you. Who's got the money? Rice, the old whack rivals of BYU and uh, Utah. Oh, the memories, the quads. I was there. I covered it. That was... I didn't know why I was there, but, <laughs> but you were there. <laughs> yes, yes, I was there, and on Rice's all, campus. All I remember about Rice is I think they scored like fifty on the Utes one day, and just just ran it. They just ran it and ran it and ran it some more, and the Utes could not stop the option, and it was awful. Well, I don't remember much else. Majerus had uh, a basketball team that went down there and played um, Big Monday. Which so was, was 11, 11 o'clock, o'clock until yeah. 1 in the morning. Yes. First and foremost, we're going to make sure the kids are exhausted Tuesday. I was exhausted, and it was raining that day in Houston. It just took like 25 days to get to the 10 o'clock at night, and you still had an hour to go. And they played it up with the rice crowd, come in your pajamas. So the students came in pajamas. And I remember talking to Giffer Nielsen that before the game because he was doing television there at the time. and. Obviously knew I was from Utah, so we were talking. And uh, so, of course, the Utes won. I don't remember a thing about the game. And afterward, uh, he comes out. He makes a – Majerus says something, make a quick statement. Then he goes down the hall, and the Rice TV people are like, oh, uh, he said, I'll be right back. And they, and, they, and they groan. I don't know if he had to go to the bathroom or something. He says, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Your deadlines are long oh gone. God. What are you complaining about? Because he knew the business, <laughs> and he was they just right. They to go home. That's what they're complaining about. I want to go home and go to bed. <laughs> so the old uh, old rice thing. Did you see? Uh, we don't have this on there, but yesterday was Big Twelve basketball media day, and uh, the coaches just going nuts about BYU. Bill Self. As long as Mark Pope is there, their attorney team. One of the great environments in the country, and it really is. And, and, and he came here with another team early in his career, yeah. Going back to the old Big Whack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he knows all about it. And they were very complimenting, as they should. This is going to be a great basketball league. There's just no question about it. Former Washington State coach Nick Rolovich will be suing the university for illegal termination in part because of what is labeled discriminatory and vindictive behavior by athletic director Pat Chun. I know another Pat who likes vindictive behavior, and that'd be me. DJ and PK. (laughs) Hashtag Major League Baseball. And Siri lifts this one in a shallow right center field. That's going to drop, and that'll score another run as Tucker comes home. Here comes Yuli. Throw to the plate is cut off. Two come home on the base hit by Siri. His first postseason hit, and the Astros' lead grows to 6-0. 1-1 pitch. Rosario hits one well to deep right field. Back at the wall. That one is gone! Rosario knocked the living daylights out of it. And it's a 9-2 Braves lead in the ninth. Braves blowed open with four in the ninth. They were already up 5-2. Kind of echoes of the game before. Really and, was, yeah. And Houston wins 9-1. They blowed open with five runs in the sixth inning. The Red Sox bats that have been so hot, 25 runs in the first three games, all that sort of stuff, one run on three hits. 
Nothing. Crickets. Very quiet. And the Dodger bats, almost as quiet. Two runs on four hits. The yeah, Dodgers are in a world of hurt now. They're down 3-1, and Justin Turner went out with, uh, what, a quad or a hammy or something like that. He Hamstring. pulled up lame. Uh, and he's been the heart and soul of that team, 36 years old, and he's probably done. And then the, and then the Braves. See, you know, I, I, we, I have these imaginary arguments with Locke all the time. Imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, because he comes on here, you know, he's a – He's an NBA honk, I get it. And he likes to rip baseball. They should redo the batting order. You go to the stadium and you only get Mike Trout four times, you know. Yeah. Whereas you come to our games and you get Donovan Mitchell, blah, 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 blah. All right, yeah. And then it ends up being highly predictable. Whereas in baseball, some no-name dude comes out of nowhere. And I'm looking at you, Eddie Rosario. I remember him as like a Twins utility player. That's it. And there he is in this series hitting 588, and he has four hits. And he's been the most valuable offensive player, and the Braves are one game away. That's the beauty of baseball. I guess maybe it's the curse of baseball, because most folks have no idea who Eddie Rosario is. But he's hot with the bat right now, and he's leading the Braves to within one game of the World Series. So it's not always the stars. Braves 88 wins. Of the five playoff teams in the National League, that was the lowest total. And yet, here they are, one game from the World Series, getting through everybody. 95-win Brewers, 106-win Dodgers. One to go, and they're in. Today, it's uh, no game in the American League today. Game five in the National League. TBS tonight, Braves and Dodgers, 6 o'clock. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is a must-win for the Dodgers. Good call. Good call. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Lincoln Kennedy is going to join us at 8.30. Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. We're talking football with Lincoln at 8.30. And Joe Ingles, to be determined. We'll see how it plays out. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The new Zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the Zone welcomes Unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 7. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair? It's 2021, and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment. Or visit www.utahhairmd.com. So, game one is in the books with the Jazz good enough for you. Dave? Sounded good, but didn't get to see it. Kyle said the 12 people who got to watch it will have to call me tomorrow and let me know. I'll give that guy a call. Was that Kyle he said? Yep. All right, call him because it's now tomorrow because that was yesterday. Kyle, how you doing? Yeah, Want to get game. you up to date. Yeah, We're here for our listeners. 
change stations, change owners. It don't matter. We're here for you. Chowder says, Jazz, decent at best. OKC is the bottom of the barrel. And Ron agrees, yeah, but it was hard to judge because OKC looks pretty bad. Well, they're so stinking young, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You realize this giddy kid, giddy up, we have been doing the show longer than he's been on planet Earth. (laughs) I looked it up. That's great. He was born in the fall of 2020 or 2002. We started in, in the spring. spring of 2002. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where it's at. Because <laughs> he looked like he was 14. Yeah. Uh, looked probably, probably, and he's Australian, and I think he played for Adelaide, so he has a history where Joe has it. And Joe has become yeah. a mentor to him. I would think that he would look at Joe, and Joe likes to make fun of us being old, but I hate to say it, Joe, he looks at you like an old-timer because <laughs> that's the way the world works. Eventually, you'll be an old-timer unless you're dead. Uh, so it beats the alternative, as my sister would say. But, uh, yeah, they're so young. I mean, used to be – Pope has gotten away from recruiting missionaries, and it's kind of been – no one's really talked about that story very much. It used to be almost exclusively missionaries, but it's not anymore. Uh, for those of you who care about those things, I certainly don't. But I had a BYU guy point that out to me, that Pope certainly has moved away from that. So what I was going to say is back in the day when they were almost exclusively missionaries, BYU's starting lineup would have been older than OKC's starting lineup. Ponder that for a moment. Outside of favors. I don't think anybody was over 24. They really, really are young. And youth doesn't win in this league unless you're Magic or Bird or somebody. You know, obviously the, the the superstars of the league, Jordan being one, didn't win until he was in his mid twenties. I mean, he won, but I mean, won it all. So maybe that's not the same thing because you can win, but win it all, you've got to have a, a high level of maturity and experience. But Oklahoma City is clearly in rebuild mode. It's why Barry Trammell was on here yesterday saying, "Yeah, it's a good thing Oklahoma and Oklahoma State it's are undefeated." Barry, not Barry. Barry with an E, not an A. And it's a good thing the Sooners and the Cowboys are undefeated and nationally ranked, absorbing everybody's attention. Because the Thunder, they got some heavy lifting to do. Yeah, I think that even if they were an NBA title contender this time of year, it would be all about the Sooners anyway. I mean, they're right down the road from Oklahoma City. I have been there. And uh, so, yeah, they're just so stinking young. They're not, they're not built to win anytime soon here. David's down on the team. Nope. Against a better team, they would have lost by 20. Whiteside did not do well. Good luck with that. Favors looked as bad, though. I I think you're totally wrong on Whiteside. How many boards? 10, 19 minutes. You're asking him to do a specific task, right? He knows exactly what he needs to do when he comes into into the game, right? He's only been here a few weeks, but still. He's a veteran dude. He knows, as he was signing the paper, he knew specifically what his role was going to be. There's zero surprises there, right? And he came in. He's to provide some defense, get some boards, be a protector. You know, if you get a little jump hook, take it. Uh, Almost like anything on that is a bonus offensively. Not completely. You can't be a total stiff uh, but the primary goal and objective for him is to board 
and block. The two Bs, board and block. I like that. It's amazing. The longer I talk, the more I stumble into crap. <laughs> board and block. And he got it done in game one. Yeah. He's an upgrade and it favors his body, has long since betrayed him. You know, he's been broken for a good while now uh, compared to the athleticism he had when he was a kid coming into the league. He had a sequence where he missed three shots and followed it up with an offensive goaltend. That looked pretty frustrating. But to your point, everything looked like it was below the rim. Yeah. The explosion's gone. He's playing old man basketball. Right. It happens to all of them at some point. For him, he got robbed a little bit earlier than you would anticipate. What are you going to do? It's not like he's glad that that's happened. That's just the way it is, for whatever reason. Some guys have injury issues. Some some of them have them in high school. Some of them have them in college. At least he had an opportunity to make uh, all sorts of million dollars. And he's been robbed of his athleticism. So with that in mind, it's such a short little sample, but I can easily say that Whiteside is an upgrade. Believe that. How yeah. much of an upgrade and how will better teams attack well, him and pull him see. away from the rim? Right. That's all to be determined. Yeah. But if teams let him play around the rim and defend around the rim, then you're just playing into his wheelhouse. He'll be good at that. Right. Exactly. And he's guarding. You know, I didn't know if you see what matchups are down the road with teams pull him out, whatnot. So the Jazz will have to make adjustments and all that stuff. But for the first game, he was brought in to do a task, and he did it. Alex says, I can easily see several defensive issues for the Jazz, not to mention they give up too many offensive boards. At least Lou Dort didn't go off for 50, thanks to Donovan. Definitely need a bigger sample size and better competition to see what the Jazz really have this year. And he dropped a we. What we really have this year. Fine. I agree with that. This was preseason 2.0. They walked out. They knew they were way better than the Thunder, and they were way better than the Thunder. The Thunder did have 15 offensive boards. That's a big number. Yeah. I'd like to keep that number in single digits. I mean, nobody can. had an outrageous amount. Favors had four, looking at the box score. Uh, Roby, whoever the crap he is, had four. Uh, so, yeah. But, you know, what's, what's the sense of urgency here? There wasn't one. They're way better than Oklahoma City. Yeah. And everybody knew it. Oklahoma City knew it. They knew it. Right. And do I want a sense of urgency? Nah. Just play well enough. You were, you were cruising. It's basically like you had a fifth preseason game. Yep. Uh, one thing that I really liked, and I think it was on purpose... Is Conley only playing 25 minutes? Keep the minutes down and don't stress out those hamstrings. Right. You know, you had a comfortable lead. You got it early. You maintained it. You know, you're up nine, I think, at half. Or, excuse me, at first quarter. And then, mm-hmm. what, like 12 or 12 13 at the, 12 at yeah, halftime. Something like that, yeah. It was 20 by the end of the third right. quarter. So, it was always comfortable. And then they got it down a couple of times and Quinn called a timeout. But I think that was like a practice timeout, you know. Simulate, make sure when you're playing a better team and you get a lead that they don't go on a big run. So you take a timeout. But it's not like he storms out, take a timeout, and you can see the look of 
angst on his face or any of that stuff. It's just like, okay, this is what we do, so we got to respect the game, and we'll take a timeout and regroup a little bit. Not that I'm worried about losing, but he can't say that. And uh, I, I believe in my mind that he purposely managed Conley's minutes. Like, we don't really need him tonight, so don't, don't play him. 25 minutes is nothing. Well, nobody played 30, so that's good. Right. But they all played more than 25. True story. The starters I'm talking about, the main dudes. The other guys were all at 28, and then uh, Gobert was at 29. Right. So I think that that's a calculated decision, which seems to me is what they should do. Why risk it? Because there's times, like you just look at last year, he's playing, things are going well, and all of a sudden he comes out, and you're watching the game, and you start thinking to yourself, uh-oh. And then a few minutes later, you get a report. Uh, he felt tightening in the hamstring. and think, oh, crap. Not again. Two weeks, three weeks, what are we looking at? You know what I mean? And so you want to avoid that as much as possible. Well, you got Butler. He can take a few minutes. And Joe and Donovan can... Take over the ball, run the offense a little bit. They've got options. Yeah, I thought, and you saw Joe bring the ball up a number of times. Uh, and Joe had sick 26 minutes. That seems about right for him. That's, that's plenty of time for him to do damage and have an impact on the game. Because one of the things that was frustrating last year from occasionally, and actually not just last year, is when he wasn't involved. He's too good of a player not to have an impact on the game. He's going to have more of an impact on the game when he's initiating the offense, the ball is in his hands. And the less Conley plays, the more chance there is for that to happen. And then off the ball, this is such a uh, has such continuity to this group that everybody knows if Joe's open, get him the ball. Like, there's no question, no matter who you are. Because, if, like, you say you have on the, on the side, like in front of the visitor's bench, and you got a little two-on-one situation, a little triangle going, and Bogdanovich passes it to Joe because Bogdanovich's defender is close to him, and then the defender slides over to Joe, Bogdanovich knows full well that Joe will give it right back to him. Because he has no selfishness. If anything, it's the other way around. And so they're so willing to pass Joe the ball because they know he can hit the shot, as he did, and then they also know if there's a rotation and the passer becomes then the more open guy, he'll get the ball right back. Quinn brought that up after the game because he wants some shooting open shots. It's you know Quinn Quinn's been coaching here long enough now. Don't so you like know seven eight years? Yeah, don't you know the post game before, before it's coming? Oh, what he's sure. going to talk about? Yeah, you know we got it. We got to keep getting better. Well, it's individually and as a group. Same thing with every coach. He, he's that's just going to hammer it. Yeah. yeah, stays on message. Don't pass up shots. It's hard to get another great shot in that twenty four second window. If you pass one up, yeah. we may end up having to force it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we know. Like, if you ask Kalani about the team's offense, you know, and the way they move the ball, he's I don't care. Just score points. You can do whatever you want. You can run the ball. You take quarterback sneaks all the way down the field. You can run five reverses on one play, or you can throw the bomb. I don't care. Score points. That's all he cares about. He said that a million times. So, yeah, we know these guys now because uh, 
that we have continuity uh, in football. Basketball is new uh, with uh, Craig T. Smith moving down to Utah, but we still know him a little bit and his raspy voice. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) A lot of yelling. And his sort of self-deprecating manner in which he does. He's a fun guy. Uh, hopefully they get uh, they get going here. Maybe not so much this year, but in the next year or two that they get they get their their program built. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. So you know what Quinn Snyder's going to say most of the time. Absolutely, yeah, you do. But I, I thought that for somebody like Joe, I thought they he had an impact on the game, and we should tally this up: how much better they are, and how many more win, how many games they win when he has a significant impact. And I guess you could say that about everybody. But you take like somebody like Mitchell, he didn't have a good uh, shooting night uh, the way he's capable. But even then, he's probably going to have an impact. He doesn't need to be great to be an impact player because even when he's average, his level of average is still impactful on the game. There's been a few games where Joe, for whatever reason, hasn't had that, and he's too good not to have that. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Your take on the season opener. Grab your phone, use the app, use the open mic feature, send us your takes. Yach will get them on the air. Lincoln Kennedy is going to join us at 8.30. Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 analyst, and Joe Ingles in the 9 o'clock hour, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's another Pac-12 road trip for Utah as Kyle Whittingham and the Utes head to the Pacific Northwest to battle Oregon State in Corvallis. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 4.30 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Football Friday is presented by Stonehaven Dental. At Stonehaven Dental, they say yes. Yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. Well, Bob Huggins is saying what people have wondered about for at least 10 years, maybe more. But nobody of his stature has really pitched it and pushed it. But now he's talking about splitting up March Madness, the big dance, the NCAA basketball tournament. He says they're doing it in football. Why wouldn't they do it in basketball? The presidents and ADs that have all the juice, why wouldn't they do it? It makes no sense why they wouldn't do it. I think it's more why wouldn't they than why would they? And then the other people, they can have their own tournament. The other people. Yes, the little people is what he meant. Oh, my gosh. Say goodbye to Gonzaga. You don't really want to watch them in the NCAA tournament. Actually, I do. I do, too. Who are you speaking for here, bud? Speaking generally. This is what Huggins is. Those Cinderella schools are putting 200 people at best in their gym. We're putting 14,000. Speak for yourself. My club's putting almost 20000 in the 50-year-old Marriott Center. Well, it looks just as beautiful as ever. I get tingles when I walk in the Marriott Center. 
That brown brick. Such a beautiful building. Thank you, Marriott. Thanks for, for all the points that I've accumulated over the years for all the travel, by the way, too. Appreciate that. Bob Huggins. Bonvoy. Bonvoy it is, yes. What's it called? I'm Titanium Elite for life. That's how special oh, I am. Wow. <laughs> titanium Elite for life. Yes. Yes, that's how freaking special I am. What percentage of your life have you slept away in a Marriott Hotel? <laughs> Well, are you talking about on the job or off the job? Percentage of your life, either, both. You know, because there's some sore details I can't get into. Uh, Highly doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because when I would have had sore details, I was too cheap to afford marriage. <laughs> uh, yeah, a whole lot, yeah. I, I, I was fortunate, you know, working for the Watchdog and other newspapers over the years, and I'd go for travel. That's all you, I, you would stay at. And then when I quit the watchdog, that's when the economy started to go in the tank. So they looked at me and said, wow, he stays a lot. So I don't stay near as much, but they, they titaniumed me for life as an incentive for me to stay with them, which I would have anyway. So I would have probably not qualified, but since it was a dire times, they gave me that thing. They send me the thing every year, man. And they, when you show up, and you go to check in, and they probably give you a kiss on the cheek, man. They treat you fine. So, but uh, Marriott Center gets twenty thousand, but his thing of fourteen thousand, which uh, that's probably what West Virginia holds. And sure, yeah, there is a difference. We've spoken that for years, for a decade now, since we've been watching BYU in these crappy environments in the West Coast Conference. A whole generation of BYU basketball players never got to experience what life on the road was like for BYU. Chaos! Yeah. And having covered them, I, I mean, I did most of the time, I did the Utes, but I think I covered BYU hoop for four or five years. Uh, so I, I can experience it and was able to. And man, the animosity when, when they would go in those traditional uh, conference foes. Yeah. El Paso, New Mexico, Wyoming, CSU, you name it. And then Vegas came into this on the scene. San Diego State came in, and they would put the the uh, visiting bench right by the student section. Yeah, and and there was nothing like that. So all this in the last decade, those guys have no idea what it's like to play BYU be a BYU basketball player on the road unless they came to the Huntsman Center. And and Gonzaga, I guess, and St. Mary's is okay. But St. Mary's is a bad crowd in the Mountain West whack. But now they'll get it again. Maybe they won't get it to the level, but they'll certainly get the intensity of all that when the, in, in a couple years when they go to these venues. Uh, but as far as Huggins, man, I, I just don't know that that's what I want. And I get football. Football football's a different entity, though. You, know, you can suffer serious, serious injuries in football. There could be in such a physical game, and you can suffer them in basketball too, but the chances of them being catastrophic, they're just not that many. How many season-ending injuries? Julian Blackman just got one for the Colts, right, and former Ute local kid. and Tore his Achilles in practice yesterday. How many times do you, you see that occasionally in basketball? But it's just a different animal, so I wouldn't necessarily compare 
the college playoff football system to NCAA basketball. Set aside the Cinderella aspect of it, and we romanticize March Madness, you know? We, we watch it that first day, and we see in the second half, what is it, does a four play 13? Is that what mm-hmm. it works off? And we see if the 13 is up by seven with five minutes to go. We get a shot of adrenaline, even if it's Belmont against West Virginia, and we don't care. We still get a shot of adrenaline, right? And we got to turn it on. And then if they win, we can all still imagine who was, I don't even know the team. When uh, Craig Bojack was up there in Boise calling that game, and they beat Iowa State, and that little fat coach. Was it Bucknell? I can't remember. I don't know. And they hold the guy up. Yeah. And he's pumping and wiggling his arms and his legs and all that, and he's up in Boise. Yeah. Come come on. Do Do we really want to get rid of that? Even if we don't have it that much? And that team's probably going to lose in the next round or the round after that. But so what? And they're the teams that go on the runs. And I like it and don't want it to go away. But obviously there's, there's people who want all the money. And that's what Huggins is getting at. Why are we sharing the money with those people? With those people. Because they need it. And it's the American way. It's Hoosiers. It's Hoosiers come to life. Right? They made a movie about Hoosiers. Who hasn't seen Hoosiers? Every one of us has seen Hoosiers. You know what I mean? Jimmy Chitwood and all that stuff. That's And that was what, in the 50s? Yeah. Well, this is now, and it can happen. We don't know that it's going to happen, but it can happen. And the allure of it can happening is why we're in. And we want to get rid of that? And Bob Huggins is the one to preach to us? Yes. Bob Huggins, with his background? Yes. Hmm. He's just a bad guy who's willing to say it. There's plenty of people thinking it. But they haven't acted on it yet. Hampton, in 2001, knocked him out in the first round as a 15 seed. That's who you couldn't think of. Bob Huggins. Can I argue Huggins is was what is what's wrong with college basketball and college sports? You can. I mean, all the issues he's had. Not all of the uh, coaches at the big schools want to do that. Texas coach Chris Beard, right. who's coached at a lot of levels, said, "I'm one of the guys that I don't think anything's wrong with the NCAA tournament." And he was at Arkansas Little Rock, and and they won a game and got to the second round in 2016. I thought 64 was fine. It's just, why are we trying to fix something that ain't broke? It's the best three weeks in sports, and I feel like I can talk about it because I've been on all ends of it. True. Obviously, he's at a powerhouse school now, Texas, big money school, but he was at Arkansas Little Rock. Yeah, well, I mean, Huggins was at Akron in a place called Walsh. Mm -hmm. I don't even know where Walsh is. (laughs) I don't either. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Lincoln Kennedy coming up at 8.30. Joe Ingles in the 9 o'clock hour right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Hey, yeah! This is The Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. 
the Joe Ingles Show <laughs> with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's time to welcome back the man, the myth, the legend. Joe Ingles back for another Another year, and he joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain notes that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is already underway. Take advantage of their save now, pay later promotion, and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Joe Ingalls, the man. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Good. That was a hell of an introduction, and you read that little ad so fast. (laughs) It's a long ad. I've had to read it a lot. Well done. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm proud of you as well. Way to come out in game one and remind everyone that you can still shoot the three ball. <laughs> I I wouldn't say I was nervous before the game because I, I, that kind of nerves of playing basketball has been long gone, but I was a little like, anxious to get out there because obviously I didn't play much in the preseason at all, really. Um, and I think I played one half, or maybe just over, just over the half, whatever it was. And um, again, not not nervous, but just obviously wanted to to see how I felt. And uh, I really hadn't played a game, a, a, a real game, proper game, um, since the the bronze medal game. So um, yeah, I was ready to get out there. I didn't know how my lungs and my legs would feel, but um, yeah, I felt really good, and and obviously good to to get a win and um, and and hit a couple shots and. Um, overall, um, a lot of good things to take from from the first game. So, what do you think? Seventy wins this year? That's a lot of wins. <laughs> um, I mean, I hope we win as many as we can. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I don't even know what a betting agency is, here, but that's not uh, not my my life. So they had this kid. Uh, Giddy, Oklahoma uh, City did, an Australian kid. I think he played on your Adelaide team. And what was he, what, what, like an alternate on the Olympic team? And the fun, yes. he's 19 years old, right? He, yeah, he just turned. Yeah, he just turned. <laughs> so we started the show in the spring of 2002. He was born in the fall of 2002. We're older than him. Our show is older than him, Joe. Uh, my, even my show is nearly older than him. <laughs> Did you look at him and see yourself 15, 20, 15, 16, 17 years ago? I think that that's the funny part and, and why Josh and I have, have had a really good relationship. And um, I obviously knew him when he was a bit younger and, and kind of coming through the ranks of those kids that you can obviously tell are going to be good. And, um, more recently, the last few years, having a, a pretty close relationship with him, and um, it, it really started. Uh, I still remember the day he he signed in the NBL. He decided not to go to college and, and signed the NBL, and um, he signed with Adelaide, my my hometown team, as a as a kid. And um, I just remember the exact kind of feeling and all these memories of, of when I did that. We, we He signed when he was 17 as well. I signed when I was 17 and he moved from Melbourne to Adelaide. Um, I went from Adelaide to Melbourne um, and just a lot of similarities and, and obviously I wasn't the prospect or anything that, that he is and, and was but um, reached out to him back then and just kind of said obviously I'm here 
to help. We're going to be on a very similar path. Obviously, yours is a lot more clear cut than what, what mine was in terms of the NBA. <laughs> but yeah. um, just with the NBL and, and helping out, and um, actually, so they like it's it, you, you not you, a lot of guys reach out to guys and try and help or, or are available to help, and not many guys kind of take it the action of actually kind of reaching out, asking questions and, and doing that. And I had opened that kind of line of, of conversation up to him. And um, it almost went to the other end of like, a, <laughs> not too many questions because I, I asked for it, but he was so eager for me to watch games and, and give him feedback and learn and, and ask me questions about what I do in certain situations. And um it's really cool, obviously, now to, to see him get through the year in the NBL, and he, he played really well there. And then to, to be a, I think it was the sixth pick, six or seven, whatever he was. Yeah, um, right. And, and then, yeah, like he's like you said, he's just turned 19, and he's starting in his first game against me, which is which is pretty cool. And um, I'm glad we smacked him, but he's got a uh, he's got a hell of a future. He's a, a bright kid. He he works hard and. I think the best part, his IQ is is unreal, and he he plays the right way. So I think with those things, he'll he'll go a long way. But um, yeah, it was cool to see him yesterday, and um, like I said, play kind of play his first ever NBA game against him. So Quinn Snyder had a uh, a good line after the opener, uh, acknowledging that he'd been asked more questions about uh, Jared Butler than he had about Rudy and Donovan <laughs> combined. Uh, but I think that just goes to the fact that the core of the team is back, and we think we all have a pretty good feel for how most of you guys play and how most of you play together. So it's the new guys. It's Whiteside and... And uh, it'll be Rudy Gay when he can play, and it'll be Butler. You know, what are these new guys going to provide? What, what can you tell us about Butler? Maybe not so much production, but more about, you know, who he is, what he's like, that kind of stuff. Um, he sits next to me in the locker. He's annoying. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think it's true of what Quinn said, and as you guys know, when, I mean, you, you guys know us very well, and the way we play and the style, obviously the style we're going to play is going to be very similar. Um, there'll be some differences, obviously, because there's things that we, we've needed to work on as a team and, and individually. And um, Yeah, you, you add those pieces. I think they'll all they'll all help us at different points of the year. Um, Eric as well, Eric Pascal. And, um, Jared's been good. I mean, he, he obviously got a, a pretty big opportunity um, in the preseason with... with majority of our guys kind of either resting or, or playing limited minutes and um, yeah just uh, I mean I think for, for his age um, the, the the clear cut thing is like the poise that he plays with he doesn't get sped up he plays at his own speed um, which is, is pretty cool to see in a, a younger kid um, off court he's pretty quiet he, he's kind of does his own thing Um I'm sure the other guys hang out with him. I don't hang out with any of them, so I don't know what they do outside of, outside of practice. But, um, yeah, good kid, work, works hard. Um, and obviously, I think on the on-court, he'll help us at times this year. I think getting his first taste last night was probably a, a lot. There's a lot going on, and we're back to pretty much sold out. And First ever NBA game, so you know, there's a lot on his plate, but I, I think he shows signs every time he's out there of, of how good he's going to be. Um, kind of short-term in, in stints, but obviously long-term as well. You guys are very much a veteran team with a few additions, and even most of those guys are veterans themselves. Do you think that there will be any pacing 
of the team going on as you negotiate this long schedule? Yeah, I mean, there's always like kind of ups and downs, I guess, throughout the thing, um, throughout the season. And um, I think it was shoot around. I got asked yesterday or whatever it was, like even just the connection of Hassan and myself. Um, obviously, everybody else is out on the court that's, that's new, but um, with that second unit, me playing pick and roll with him and, and obviously Fave has been my big for six of my eight years or whatever it is. So it's, um, it does take time. Obviously, the, the good thing is majority of our group is, is back and we're, we're the same. And, and obviously with Rudy out at the moment, we're, it's kind of Jared, Hassan and, and Eric that are, that we're trying to kind of get up to speed. And I mean, as you guys know, the, the, the system or more the wording, the, 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 the words and the, the um, names of things and the concepts of once he's got those down, uh, all those guys have, have those down. It, it's very easy because it's, it's all the same things. They all, one word can be in so many different plays or, or defenses or whatever, but over time it gets easier and easier. So um, they've been good so far. They've got the basics down. And, and obviously as we get through this, as, as you guys know, um, Quinn will put more and more things in and, and, and make it probably a little bit more complicated, but you just kind of keep rolling with the, the punches and we'll have, We'll have some days where we, we do mess up the offense or, or defense. And we'll, we'll have days where we're, we're on, on par with it and, and really good. And obviously, we've got to limit the, the badder days. But, um, yeah, it's been it's been good so far and, and getting those guys involved. And, um, I mean, it's like us, what was it, bubble and, and post-bubble, like even just this, this style of play of shooting more threes and playing quicker and um, getting those guys used to that, like, Telling Eric to to run to the corner and if he's open, shoot it. Like there's no hesitation with our team. So it, it does take time, but I think um, we'll have more good days than bad, and we've just got to limit those those bad days. So I'm curious. You know, the NBA is very much what have you done for me lately, and nobody can really look back <laughs> on what they did a while ago, right? Everybody's got to be moving forward and all that. But international basketball is a little different. Do you still get up and uh, give yourself 30 seconds to look at the bronze medal every day and feel good about that? Because that was a goal you chased for a long time. I'm looking at it right now. It's still sitting in the same spot that it uh, had sat in when, when Miller told me to hang it next to her soccer trophy. So, <laughs> um, no, I I was actually thinking I need to take it off. the. It's literally hanging on the door handle of, a, <laughs> of the door right now. Getting banged around every time the door. We'll put it on right now. Why don't you put it on? No, nah, it's too far away. I'm not standing <laughs> up for you guys. Um, no, it is. It, it was something. It's a weird feeling. I guess I, I started with the national team in 2007, and um, was just listening to Andrew Bogut's podcast about it. He had our our national team coach on there on his podcast, and. 08 Beijing Olympics and those couple tournaments after that. Um, Not that the mindset wasn't we can't win some games, but I think meddling for us was was a... a, We would have had to play unbelievably and maybe some teams have some some bad luck or or whatever it was. And and changing that mindset um, over the kind of middle of of those 12 years of, of me playing to like, no, we we've got a team that can medal. We, we've got a legitimate chance. We've got a great roster. We, we just need to like put it all, like why, 
there's this saying in Australia of like, like she'll be right. Like, just give it, have a crack. Like, it's it's all good. Like, we're we're Australian. We're fighters. That's what we do. We we play. I was like, I don't want to swear, but like, f that. Like, <laughs> thank we, you. We're we're a really good basketball team. Like, why can't we win? Like, sure. change that mindset of like, we're not just happy to be here. We can actually go and win this game or this tournament. And um, it is uh, like I said, it's been twelve years and. Um, I, I remember it was the end of the third quarter and they started to come back a little bit. And I remember looking at Patty and, and talking to Patty throughout the game of like, this just like this, not that we said this isn't happening again, but like there was this mindset of like, we would not let this happen again. Like there's no chance we've come fourth the last three tournaments. Um, I think one of the benefits for us was they hadn't been in that situation before Slovenia, obviously, Luke is a hell of a player and, and they had a hell of a tournament and to even get into the tournament, they, they had to play well and um, we just felt like we weren't going to lose and um, to, to, to now, again, like you said, sit here and look at it and um, talk about it, like be able to see Josh Giddy last night and, and, and he talks about it, like it, it's such a, a big thing. He wasn't even on the team, he was the last guy cut, or second to last guy cut, whatever it was. So, um yeah, a lot of relief probably, um, but also on the flip side of the relief side of it, it, it's like I want to go back and I want to win another one and I want it to be gold or silver. Like um, it, it makes you more determined to, to do even more. So um, yeah, I'll actually I might actually put it away today. Today might be the day I put it. We've got this really cool little case that came in, so I'll probably put it in that and um, stop it getting dented, banging on the door every time <laughs> Miller rips the door open. <laughs> So you're back on the traditional calendar and the traditional amount of games as opposed to last year and the year before. Does that make any difference to you? Um, no. Should it? No. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. If, if you're going to treat your body differently, uh, you're going to play 10 more games in the regular season, uh, any of that stuff matter. Maybe uh, I assume no. it doesn't. I don't know. No, I think I think – I mean, it's probably more normal than anything. Obviously, the the last two years have been... Well, I don't even know what the word normal means yeah, anymore, really. but um, have been very different. And and you've got we've all had to adjust, whether it be the NBA players or, or you guys or um, every day, whatever, kids. Our kids are adjusting every day. To this. There's just so much still moving pieces in this whole thing. And... Um, 82 for us is obviously the regular, regular, regular season. That's what yeah. we're used to. Um, so I think I think you just get back in the same flow of it. I think um, with our team, especially like you said, being a bit older and and more veterans and all that, I, I'm sure and, and I have no doubt there'll be times that we'll we'll probably rest um, certain games or certain times. Um, we haven't spoken about that, but. Um, I think for us, obviously winning games and, and finishing as high as we can, but then you want to be going into the playoffs as fresh as possible. So without thinking too far in front, you want to, um, we want to be, be thinking, I mean, even last night, like pulling all the starters out with four or five minutes. Um, I think he was about to put Rudy and Mike back in and, and decided not to. So um, even those decisions, those extra couple of minutes of, of rest can add up over 82 games. So, um, I mean, we've got we got a great team. 
um, that, that'll decide all that stuff, and I'll, I'll just do what I'm told. You still on lockdown part. on the road and all that stuff? Um, I think it's opened up a bit more. Um, I think the vaccinated, unvaccinated makes a little bit of a difference, um, but I think we're all vaccinated. To our, not that it... I mean, it's not going to change for me. The lockdown or not lockdown is pretty much the same life for me on the, on the road anyway, but... Um, obviously a bit more freedom with being able to go to restaurants and, and catch up with family or friends for guys that, that have them on the road. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see, we'll kind of see how the, there's obviously, I said this yesterday in shoot around, but it's going to be inevitable at some point that there's going to be contact tracing or a positive case or, or something throughout this season. Um, and what that looks like. And I mean, my kids are at school, I'm not going to pull my kids out of school. They they need to be in there. So obviously we've just got to deal with the punches as they come, but um, obviously confident within our group that, that our guys are doing the, the smartest and the best thing for, for us to be as close to safe and, and healthy as possible. We have had several coaches over the course of our show, probably four or five coaches locally who have coached here so long and done so many press conferences. Uh, we hear a question and we know the answer. I almost feel like I could just step in front of the microphone like, I'll handle that. Save your voice, coach. I know literally word for word what you're going to say. And I thought that listening to Quinn, because Quinn, after game one, got into, hey, we can't pass up shots. There's only 24 seconds on the clock. We can take, you know, if we don't take one when it comes, the odds are we're going to have a much worse shot later in the clock. And I've heard him say that dozens and dozens of times. And so I knew where he was going when he started in on that. And I wonder, at this point, and you're bringing in, you know, new guys who are going to have to work in the rotation, how much could you handle practice and just say, guys, this is what Quinn wants. We've all, Everybody who's been here knows this is what he wants. How much of that could you, could you or any of the other veterans literally run because he is consistent with the message over a long period of time? Yeah. I mean, I, I said it in, I think it was one of the training camp sessions or, or one of the practices more recently. Uh, I said to Alex Jensen, who's been here the whole time with me, um, I was like, man, I know exactly what he's... He stopped practice. I was like, I know what he's going to say, and I know exactly what he's talking about, and I've, like, heard this, like, the same speech of um, certain things, like you said, certain things he says or certain ways he thinks. Um, yeah, I feel like I've got a pretty good grasp on what he's going to say or what he's going to... what he's thinking to say. Um, I mean, even last night, we had a... I think they were at the freezer line... And JC was about to sub in and was asking me what play we're going to run. And I looked at coach and I was like, we both said at the same time, but we said exactly the same play. And I was like, that just shows like another sign of we've been together for too long. Well, not too long. I shouldn't say too long. We've been together for a long time. Um, And it was like instantly, like we both said exactly the same play. And he like high fived me and was like, "Yep, you got it." <laughs> um, it's obviously for a few of us we've been around him as you guys have, but there's, there's a couple of coaches that have been here the whole time, and I think Rudy and I are the only two from that the first year of, of Quinn, but um, obviously Donovan and that have have been a, a good chunk as well. So um, yeah, it's funny. I've I've heard a lot of the same pre-season talks or, or the same. Uh, the same things about certain actions or, or certain ways we play and, and stuff like that. So I've got a, yeah, I mean, I, 
if he wasn't there for a day, I feel like I could coach our team and it would be exactly the same as they wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to tell the difference if my voice was the same as his. Well, it's good to have your voice back on the radio for another year, Joe. Thanks for joining us. Good luck in the coming week. And uh, try not to ding up that bronze medal any more than absolutely necessary. No, I'm actually literally, as I hang up the phone, I'm going to go put it in the box. I've got the box sitting on our little desk upstairs. So it's just been sitting there waiting for the day that my lazy ass goes and actually puts (laughs) it away. Um, But it was nice to look at it for one more time. It's actually really heavy, so... Might need some help carrying it up the stairs. (laughs) Well, thanks, Joe. We'll talk to you again next week. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. There is Joe Ingles back for another year on the radio. Tons of stories behind the scenes with the Jazz, the Olympics, and life on the road in pandemic times. Slightly different pandemic times. Good good for them. Yeah. It's got to be the longest-running NBA radio show by an individual in NBA history, I bet. (laughs) By an active player. Today is the start of year eight with him. I call them volumes. I've gotten volume on it. So it's yeah. volume eight, episode one today. We've got we've got to get to ten, don't we? I don't know, man. The NBA. When I said, what have you done for me lately? He laughed. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that means something. <laughs> well, what has he done for them lately? Was play very well. Four for seven from the three-point arc. Doing his thing. Spread the floor. Open it up for Donovan and Rudy. Yeah, and this is a contract year for him, right? Uh, so there are obviously no guarantees. We'll have to see yeah, how it plays out. There are out, no but, guarantees in the NBA ever. Uh, Everything's crazy. Yeah, I don't even know we have guarantees in our business, what we're doing. Uh, but, nope. But it would be fun. To lo- I would like to string this out as long as we possibly can. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show coming up next. We'll get you up to speed. Stay with us. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. BYU hits the road to Pac-12 country as Kalani Sataki and the Cougars square off against Washington State in Pullman. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Pressure's on me to play well. I will play well. I don't know who the tackle is and I'm going against, but I'm, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> I'm going to kill him. And the other guy, too, on the other side, and I'm, and I'm going to play extremely well, and I'm going to make plays for my team. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to set us up to, to win this game for sure. That's Vaughn Miller. Doesn't know who he's playing, but he's going to destroy him. No, he's going to kill him. Denver and Cleveland. Says here it's the Nuggets and the Browns. Yak's a little tired when he NBA, types this thing NBA up in the morning. On the, br- yeah. on the brain. Broncos and Browns tonight, Thursday night football. Both teams 3-3. Three and three. Baker Mayfield isn't going to go. Shoulder injury, he's out. Case Keenum gets the start for Cleveland tonight. Slacker Radio Headlines brought to you by Lee's. Heating and air. Three, couple three and three teams, you don't care. The five and one's got you locked down. You figure that's where the real competition is. Well, unless it's a really good game. And get, you, get you a little fourth quarter drama. And Mayfield isn't playing, so that's a downer. Takes a little of the zip out of it. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland is expected. They won a playoff game last year. So when they were the young nucleus, it wasn't like they were on the way out. 
So with that in mind, that you're thinking, okay, they're on the way up, so they can be better. Well, right now they're three and three, plenty of time to be better. But I think they had thoughts of their mind to be better than they are right now, and they weren't uh, all that competitive against the Cardinals last week at home. They that got was rolled. A surprise. Yeah, and they threw a hail mary, didn't they? Full the of grace, the Lord be with thee. Blessed art thou. See, I know that prayer. I said that every day. You don't know it. You just know it. The Hail Mary, but you don't know Hail the Mary. actual prayer. Nope. Because you guys don't recite prayers, right? No vain repetitions, PK. Well, it doesn't have to be vain, but you guys don't you guys don't recite those prayers, do you, DJ? Ravens leading the division at five and one. <laughs> Bengals at four and two. And then you got your Steelers and your Browns bringing up the rear at three and three in a very good division. Three and three, last place there. No weak sisters. See, in the religion that I was in and started, our Father in heaven, how will be thy name? Thy will be done, thy kingdom come, on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> and they say I'm not religious. Got a little more football for the people you want to catch them up on? We talked with Lincoln Kennedy. They called a screen pass. He'd been waiting for the screen and draw game for the Raiders. They got a new play caller. It's a new day. Well, Lincoln Kennedy knows his stuff when it comes to football analyzation. How great thou art. How great thou art. <laughs> You're on a roll. Keep going. Oh, he's really pleased with himself right now. That was, <laughs> well, look at you two. <laughs> that was the hat you trick. cheese ball grin back at me. What do you expect? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's our fault. You're the one over there singing hymns in the middle of a sports talk show. <laughs> and I would think that, you know, BYU football this week. Oh, boy. Two losing, two games in a row, two game losing streak. Yep. It's time for them to put their shoulders to the wheel. There it is. Onward, Latter-day Saint soldiers. Lincoln did talk about that. He is, on the one hand, familiar with it. Onward, Latter-day Saints holders? No, the oh. Raiders just had a coaching change, and now Washington State has had a coaching change. But college and pro game, little apples and oranges. Yeah, pros, coaches get fired all the time. Yeah. Season, your, in season. And, your paycheck yeah. depends on you looking good on film. Right, So right. you better block whoever you're supposed yeah. to block, yeah. tackle whoever you're <laughs> supposed to tackle, shed whatever block you're supposed right. to shed, because... You know the guaranteed money doesn't last very long. And the unguaranteed portion, well, you had better perform. And if, yeah. if your team doesn't like you, 31 other teams are watching. There are guys at Raiders last year, their contract, they're like, well, okay, this year may suck, but I better look good if I want to be in the league Right, so at the pro level, but who really cares who's level, coaching? If you've just been recruited and there's an emotional bond and coaches promise we're going to take care of your kid and all that, there's a different it's thing huge. in the mix. And plus these pros, they, they, what's the chances of them playing for one team the whole time? They bounce it around. Just trying to stay in the league. What's the yeah. number of games to get to the pension? Uh, 27, 32, somewhere in there. Some, yeah. I thought it was like 38. Oh, 38, okay. Something like that. And yeah. so you got a lot of young guys trying to get to that number? Yeah, that's really that important. That changes the rest of your life financially if you get to that NFL pension. Oh, for sure, yeah. So college yeah. is a different deal. Right. I got to think I gotta think college is going to have a fair amount of effect. And five guys off your coaching staff? I think it's having an effect on the Devils, and they lost three. Now, these guys 
more than that, including the head coach. I mean, we're seeing it. This this Devil team didn't commit these outrageous amounts of penalties last season. Well, they only played four games, I think, so that didn't really count. But in Herm's term, they haven't committed as many penalties, and it's just been disgraceful. And I'm wondering how many of those is due to three new position coaches. And there's maybe not the accountability, familiarity. I don't know that. That was exactly the word. Exactly the word. The Lincoln Kennedy went to. You can hear the interview online. Uh, Yach's got it posted now. Accountability. That was his first word. So what are we going to get out of the Washington State Cougars? Flip a coin, man. It's too bad because they were on a roll and they were playing some good football. Maybe they can continue. Maybe they will. BYU a four-and-a-half-point favorite now at Washington State Saturday afternoon. And I think some of that, if not all of that, has to do with the crazy nature of the situation. And then you knew uh, that Rolovich had something up his sleeve, and then we hear he's going to sue. Yeah. You're not just walking away from $3 million and he's, okay, no. see ya. <laughs> Lincoln took, uh, took Oregon to beat UCLA. Does think Utah and Oregon State can be a rematch in the Pac-12 title game. Likes how Oregon is trending, but doesn't think yeah, they necessarily I mean, got it. barely beats lock. Cal. They're right um, down there at the end of the game. Going to have to win some low-scoring games Oregon is a week-to-week proposition. Coming off a seven-point win over Stanford, they get a seven-point win over— excuse me, a seven-point loss to Stanford, they get a seven-point win over Cal. And your, yeah. your week-to-week theory. And Fresno State and Ohio State were one-touchdown games as well. They won both of those. So they blew out Arizona and they blew out Stony Brook. Great. Everybody else has been a seven-point game. They win more of the close ones than they lose. But that doesn't yeah, mean I don't they know. can't you, lose I, another game or yeah, two. Yeah, I don't know. Did you, you take the win for sure, but I don't know like you proved anything that you're the dominant team huh. by winning a one-score game against Cal when Cal has the ball inside the five right at the end of the right. game. And that's part of why Lincoln thinks Oregon State can get to the Pac-12 title game. I think there's five teams that can get to the Pac-12 title game. Oregon, Oregon State. And the two... Utah, uh, UCLA, SU. Yeah, the two one-lossers. Now, I'm just going by... I'm not going by any particular so Washington State, just going standard. Washington State at 3-2, and two, you're writing them off. Even though they're only a, a game behind Oregon. Yeah. And they've got the tiebreaker on Oregon State. But they've got the coaching right. change. Right. The coaching change to me. I may reevaluate that, but the coaching change at the collegiate level. And it's, and it's basically the staff change. You're down five. You're down half. You can have ten assistants, right, or ten co- coaches, and now you're down half of them. That seems like a lot. We talked jazz. What do you think of game one? Game one had a lot of things in it that were super predictable, things we have seen a million times. Rudy went out and got 21 rebounds. So Rudy can rebound. That's a shock. No, a lot of jazz fans are stunned by that development. Can he average 20 a game this year? No. I think he can. Ah, that would be a huge number. It would. How back, long has it been? Back in the days in Wilt. Yeah, how long has it been since the NBA rebounding leader averaged 20 a game? Did Moses Malone do it? Because he put up some big numbers. But you're still going back 30, 35 yeah, and years. And part of the reason is the shooting is better. Yeah, there are fewer rebounds to be had. And some of the rebounds out there to be had are going to be missed threes, long threes that have to be run down that don't. That doesn't help a guy who's right in the paint.
Clint, Clint Capella led the NBA at 14.3 rebounds per game last year. Can he have a 30-rebound game? <laughs> I'll take no. No? Back to your point about missed shots. Right. The other team's really cold. That would have to happen. Obviously. And I would still say no. Okay, 25. Yes, that could happen. I'll give you that. Other team has to be cold. He's all sorts of fired up. Season opener and Favors is there, and he went off. Favors isn't as athletic as he used to be, and Rudy knows it, and Rudy went nuts. Twenty rebounds in a season. <laughs> no way. It looks like that hasn't happened since 1969. So we're 50 plus years since that happened. What did Wilt do? Uh, that was Wilt uh, at 21 a game. Right. But how many times did he do it? Oh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It looks like eight. Yeah. I mean, it was happening. He and Russell were doing it every year. They were they were dominating. There was one time when I was working to Watchdog when we were at Main Street, and I said to one of the guys, big East Coast guy, I said, well, yeah, they had more rebounds then because players couldn't make shots. I mean, Kuzi's considered all that, never shot 40%. Well, he couldn't just, and this would have been in the 90s, you couldn't just look in the computer. So he goes to the basketball register thing that we'd have. Yeah. And he's, he's just, just looking. You, you'd see him searching <laughs> over there. <laughs> and I'd already looked it up somewhere along the line, so I knew what I was talking about. Because I spent a lot of dead time into Daily Breeze, killing time. (laughs) And so you look at that stuff. And uh, so I knew back then, if you shot 40% from the field as a perimeter player, not as Wilt with his dunks, you were considered all that. And and go look at Wilt Chamberlain's stats if you haven't. Blow your mind. Minutes played, 46, 47, 48, 5. The game's only freaking 48 minutes. Uh, in his fourth year, he averaged 48-5. <laughs> Got to play some OT games to push that number up there. So his first, his first five years, 46, 47, 48, 47, 46. Load management. <laughs> Rudy averaged a career-high 13.5 rebounds per game in each of the last two years. He set the career-high in 20, and he matched it in 21. So this is the 21-22 season now, 13 and a half. Wilt retired in 72-73 at the age of 36, and he averaged 13.2 points a game and 18.6 rebounds and 4.5 assists. So I guess he retired out of boredom. <laughs> like, yeah, I just don't want to do all those 6 a.m. flights anymore. Yeah. I've won titles. Well, back the then, 36 was way old. It was. But the numbers he's putting up, he could have played. Averaging a double double with four and a half assists, he can play. Yeah, he just didn't want to. Could have no. played if he wanted to. At twenty five years of age, he averaged fifty four fifty point four points a game and twenty five point seven boards. <laughs> <laughs> you just you're just an eighth grader playing with the third graders at that point. I'm pretty good. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Oh, man, and that 25.7 rebounds wasn't even his career high. (laughs) It was the 50 points was. (laughs) Talked a little baseball this morning. Man, the Dodgers, that momentum didn't last very long. Couldn't hit a lick. Two runs on four hits. 
Well, they hit four home runs. The Braves did. What's the the the, uh, the old line? Momentum in baseball extends to the next day's pitcher. Braves win nine two. They're up three games to one. Astros win nine to one. They're up three games to two on the Red Sox. I think the Dodgers. The injuries caught up to them. Justin Turner goes down. Kershaw isn't playing. Muncy's a clutch hitter. A big power guy. He's not in the lineup. So they got Lux out there in center field who dropped one the other day. Then yesterday lets a single fall in front of him where Urias raises his hands like, what the crap are you doing? Well, he wouldn't be playing because Muncy would be at first and Bellinger would be in the outfield. I don't want to cry for them when they have an $80 trillion payroll. But I think in the final analysis, this caught up to them. Although the Brave fans are saying, wait a second, we got a Cunha Jr. who went down and he was our best player. Gotcha. I hear you. You're right. But then you got a kid like Eddie Rosario coming out of nowhere and hitting 600 in this series. Well, the Dodgers need someone to come out of nowhere in game five, six, and seven. Now, they had a 3 1 deficit twice last year, at least once in the postseason, and they came back. But I would be stunned if they did it this year. DJ and PK, your feedback's coming up next. Stay with us. Time for your feedback. Question of the day with the Jazz good enough for you in game one? Kathy says, it was fun, except I'm feeling bad for favors. And Dylan says, for real, dude's playing with a bunch of scrubs, unfortunately. I think unless he gets traded midseason, he's probably smart to hang it up after this season. Wait, wait, wait. you're going to pay me $10 million to play basketball? <laughs> Take the words right <laughs> out of my mouth. Would you hang it up, PK, if you had a player option for $10 million next year? No. <laughs> That's what I thought. 9.7 this year, almost 10.2 next year. No. And I have the option? Yeah, it's, it's his option. No. If I'm living, yeah. I'm playing. <laughs> I'll, I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Greg says uh, Will Chamberlain was pretty good at basketball, but his best work was with the governor. They made the movie together. <laughs> and they got someone said a gif of the movie. I think his best work was on the beach with sand volleyball. Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're yeah. talking about, yeah. He's a big volleyball player, too, wasn't he? Just blocking guys in the net without jumping? You can imagine him on the uh, AVP tour today. <laughs> Dominating. <laughs> he died at 63 years of age, 1999, this month. Hmm. Colton says, uh, hey, the Braves gave up a 3-1 deficit to the Dodgers last year. The big right. difference is they were playing in a weird year on a neutral field. Okay. Uh, once they got to the playoff, I don't know that it was weird. It seemed the, the neutral field in Texas did seem different, but the actual games, what difference does it make? You're playing baseball, 27 outs, seven-game series, blah, blah, yeah. blah. I think the Dodgers were healthier. And the Braves got some role players who are just kicking butt this year. I mean, I said Acuna being out, and Asuna's also been out. Uh, I think they've had a pitcher out, uh, but none of that matters, man. Uh, the Draper Ute says, good win for the Jazz. Nobody played over 30 minutes. Celtic starters played over 45 in an OT loss. I call it a good start for the Jazz. It was double OT, wasn't it? I believe you're right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. The start was what they wanted, and it's what they got. Mike says the Jazz comfortably covered the spread, if that's what you mean. I have no idea what basketball spreads are. 
I saw it. Normally, I, I don't. don't, know. I, don't but know. I saw it. It was like 13 and a half. So. Oh, was it? And it, it's not what we meant. And we've talked basketball spreads are crazy. I don't know why people do that. I, I don't even pay any Neither attention. Neither one to of them. us. Yeah. There's too many garbage points. We see 20 point leads go to 10 and 10 point leads go to 20 just because of when a coach decides to pull the starters or leave them in. So I've never bet a cent on pro sports ever in my life. Don says, that was a great start on the road to the championship. Get on board while we have some seats left. This is our year. I'll scoot over. Make room. Jeremy says, they played pretty poorly and still won by 20. I don't think they played pretty poorly. You didn't think that was a little ragged start to that game? Mm. I suppose, but I'm not expecting them to be in midseason form. They didn't need to be. And they knew going in they didn't need to be. They only played, the, the starters only played two, two preseason games of the four. Except for Miss, Mitchell missing a few shots. The starters it, looked, it looked like, like jazz basketball. Look. Yeah. I have jazz DNA. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. When no I got the vaccine, you, I asked for it. No, you had it before that. That's why you made that hook no, shot and headed up the tunnel. But I really have it now. I'm on board. I mean, once they got Dwayne Wade, I said, that's it. I am in. And he was getting some golf lessons from Finau. Yeah, yeah, we all saw that. <laughs> well, you know, while you're here, what yeah. do you think? Yeah, it's real, the, the wrist is the whole thing. Right, so it's the wrist that lets me hit the 300 yards? If I only knew. <laughs> <laughs> all right, coming up next, Jake and Ben right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Stay with us.